This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. With me today, of course, is Hans. And Hans is the special guest tonight. We were supposed to have two guests on this evening to talk about this new film, The Batman. Uh, neither one could be in attendance. They both got sick and died. So, Hans, how are you doing? Pretty good. I just remember that I forgot to send myself my notes on the movie, so I'm just doing that right now. Uh, taking good. notes. Wow. I thought about taking some notes, but I didn't. That's great. Thanks for adding that. Uh, but <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, I was I was that annoying person at the theater. Ah, we had a weird arrangement. We're still pretending that uh, social distancing works here, or at least they were. Uh, uh, so we had like five seats in between people front and back so at least i didn't bother anyone with my phone light as i was taking notes i guess can the theater afford to do that i i guess so i mean everything is just barely the opening now so everything was like 50 percent. wow you guys are far behind they just quit the the vaccination passport id so i can i can uh, dispose of some images on my phone now safely it was really nice to show up at the theater and have it ready to go and they said oh no no we're done. Do, we're not doing that anymore. And I was like, oh, that's 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 fantastic. It brought a smile to my face. The theater, the movie theater, was pretty packed. Too. I mean, the, not oh, the yeah. actual theater itself where Batman was screaming, but the theater building had a lot of uh, Hispanic teenagers. That's really who's going to the movies still these days oh, yeah. is Hispanic teens. Nobody else is. No one's going else to the, to the theater. So well, um, I, I went at 1 p.m. because I like avoiding that exactly. So mm-hmm. I went at 1. It was me and my girl and like 10 other people uh, separated by at least five seats. So it was great. Uh, no, we, we as a country closed for maybe six months because, uh, because they realize that we just don't have the capital to give people money. Uh, and then, you know, you have a third world country and people can't work because everything is closed. Uh, you close everything for tourism, which is the number one way of making money here, like the uh, number one way of income. So it only lasts for, lasted for six months. And we pretended to have restrictions. And yeah, we, you couldn't be on the street after like 10 p.m. Uh, some days. But then little by little, like, I, I feel like uh, we never really implemented anything that had to do with uh, vaccine restrictions or anything like that. They tried doing it with a QR code, but honestly, at least 30, 40 percent of the population is old people that live in rural areas that don't have even a cell phone. So that immediately fell. Like if it, that was immediately like, OK, so we can't actually implement this thing because you're not going to keep like old ladies from from small towns from getting food and shit like that. So that was never a thing. Uh, it's just been very passive uh, restrictions, but masks still everywhere. Uh, and people still pretend when they remember to like social distance. But besides that, it's been pretty much open. Yeah. So it sounds like your country has more decency than this country as far as yeah. considering people's rights. Wow. Isn't that something? Well, I have to tell you, you know, you saw the Batman before me, and I'm a tremendous Batman fan. You said you don't like Batman at all. You said Batman's kind of a F-A-G, if I remember correct. That was the exact wording. I won't I won't say it out loud because right. I have respect for certain communities. For the, for um, the cape? For the cape for and the cowl. cowl. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have one on my shelf. Of it. You know, it's it, it's such an obvious talking point, but it really disgusts me. I can't, you know, fathom watching any video any longer on YouTube where a grown man where a man over the age of even like 22 has action figures or even, 
even a lot of the time now, movie posters, if I see a movie poster, that starts to bother me. Um, That's by Kino Corner. Does Kino Corner? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, we love them. See, I'm speaking more of the superhero variety. Although, in general, I've started to just generally, you know, I've started to feel that a lot of this movie, just movie fandom in general, you know, even when it's not, superhero related not even a24 related or or anything that's an obvious you know point at that laugh at that um you know genre or field for for film it it just seems very childish it's like they're trying to convince you that they're fans you know like you can't be or that you're gonna have a more educated opinion if you're part of the fandom or whatever you want to call it yeah, uh, it's 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 pretty bad. Uh, yeah, it's better to have a microwave in the kitchen. Or That's right. I like to show like <laughs> my mocha pot right behind me. This is why I'm not over at my uh, my desk at the moment um, shooting this is because I wanted to see a little more grown up. You know, I want you yeah. to see the kitchenette here. I want you to see that the, the time on the clock is off by about four minutes. That's the kind of message we want to send is grow up. It's time yeah. to grow up. Yeah, you know, you, know, nice... you spend you spend 10 hours at work and, and then you just have a barely time to plug in your microphone and open your laptop and record. That's right. You don't want to move back to your, your, you don't want to move yeah. 10 feet to your desk. No, you want to leave yeah. your computer right where it was in the kitchen. So you, uh, know, you don't want to be in that corner that you dressed up to look good on camera, but looks really stupid in real life. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we should do with this just show? A little corner of the room with like 10 posters, but it's like a tiny corner of the wall. So you're the full <laughs> wall because you want it to be on camera. That's great. I think it would be good if we started wearing, uh, you know, like blazers and a nice dress shirt and a tie to every episode. We just comb our hair back a lot like review, bro. A lot like the report of the oh, week. Yes. Well, you don't have any hair, do you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time to to invest that Patreon money in into a wig just for the it's, show. It's, just, no, just some, wear a nice uh, sponsorship from think from think Pete's. like a good Eric Estrada style wig you can put oh, on spiky. your head. So like spiky from the front. Like I'm balding, but it, it, there's still hair, but you can still tell that I'm balding, and it's just like very spiky to. So it looks like grass uh, and and, and uh, hide the fact that I'm actually balding under it. Pretty yep. good, yeah. Like a, like, a, like a Mark McGrath hair, Ooh. you know, like very like... Yeah, like that's a, a very like a 90s really. look. Yeah, they're going to bring yeah. that back. You know, Guy Fieri's hair, you could do it that way. But, he, you know, he, that's a fan version of it. So the, the Batman is this new movie <laughs> from Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves is the director of The Paul Bear starring David Schwimmer. He what also do you think of Matt Reeves' filmography. Well, I, I was thinking about a director. this. Mm-hmm. I you know I I don't think he's done. You know I really enjoy Cloverfield, um, mm-hmm. but that isn't really. So when, when it comes to a movie like Cloverfield or any of these, you know, big budget features that clearly have a stamp on it, but it's really the producer's stamp. It's hard to consider that the work of the director. And I think Cloverfield is a case where it certainly feels a lot more like J.J. Abrams than it does Matt Reeves. And he's figured out a sort of formula where he can act as the producer and be the direct. It'd be like the guy. This is his vision, really. The director is just a director for hire. And Spielberg does that many times. Michael Bay does that. 
Um, that's nothing new, especially in Hollywood. I, I just watched uh, the Pickup Artist. That was a you know that was a James Toback film starring Robert Downey Jr. He wrote and directed the script, but it was really a Warren Beatty directed film. He he directed that essentially in secret. He co-opted that, took it over. It's a lot of the to, Toby Hooper, Steven Spielberg, Poltergeist situation that we frequently talk about. So um, that is my impression of you know, Matt Reeves early career anyway. Yeah. Well, what do you have? You have let him, let her in. Is that, is that what it's called? Let, 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 him, me let, let, let me in. Let me in. Yeah. Which is an unnecessary remake of let the right one in. But it, I'll tell you what, it's, it's not it's, bad. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's good. I, 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 I think it's unnecessary because I like the original one. So if you compare them, fine. But if you don't compare them, it's, it's like a, a good quality horror uh, or indie horror, I guess. Uh, as long as you are not very familiar with the uh, with uh, uh, original um, material, well, even if you and- are, the one thing that I was impressed by with that film that I was also impressed by with the Batman is the sense of atmosphere and the general mm-hmm. environment that they have going with "Let Me In." It it feels like a we. I don't know if if uh, that one was set in the mid '80s, but it certainly had more of a vibe of that. Um, you know, than what I was expecting anyway from that feature. You know, there were a, a very low expectations for any remake of Let the Right One In. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, any remake, really. But especially when it comes to remaking a non-English-speaking movie into an American movie, I guess. Because usually just to uh, adjust the sensitivities of the American crowd, you you lose a lot of the ruthlessness or the adult themes that the European movies might be more comfortable uh, tackling than, than American audiences. But uh, when it comes to this one, I don't think you lose that much. Like I still like the original one better, but this is good enough to, to be like a quality remake, especially compared to any <laughs> remake really uh, that's come out in the past, let's say 20 years. Uh the the one thing that I don't enjoy, or, or at least didn't enjoy when I watched them in the theater, w- was that Planet of the Apes trilogy. Really? You didn't like those? I, I didn't really feel like they had any sense of s- style or atmosphere, like you're saying uh, about him. Mm. Uh, I feel like they were just straight up um, action, very dumb action movies. Uh I, I'm not sure what I was expecting, really, because I remember I, I, I decided to watch the original Planet of the Ape movie, Apes movies before seeing the first one of this trilogy, and they're they're not good. <laughs> like they're not they're not good movies. Maybe the well, first hold on one's a second. Good. The first one of the three he did not direct. That was another guy. Uh, I think his name was Rupert something. Maybe I'm, I'm I could be wrong about that, but it definitely was not. Oh, Matt you're right. Reeves. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I remember that one had kind of a silly. But it was, you know, it was still serious, but it had a more, a a sillier vibe to it. Right. James Franco was the star. John Lithgow played his father. And it had a vibe that was closer to the original Planet of the Apes films, Mm. even if it was updated for, for today. And then Matt Reeves took it over with the second one. And it felt a whole lot like he's trying to do a Christopher Nolan thing with the Planet Mm -hmm. of the Apes. And it was something different for the time. He took it in a complete you know, change of, of path from what I think many of us anticipated who saw that first of the three in theaters yeah. um, and made it friendly. this, 
well, that one, I, that one, I was actually probably more family friendly than the second and the third. Yeah, the first one. The first one, when, where oh, it's yeah, like yeah. silly, it's like James Franco is like heartwarming kind right. of right the relationship with the monkey and then it just becomes and then it becomes like a war film in the (laughs) forest between monkeys yeah and i i it's been a while since i've watched them but i remember not minding them at the time but i wasn't as interested and i wasn't i was a big planet of the apes fan i love the original uh six or so films i believe it was and i watched the the television series um when it would replay on sci-fi i was a big fan of the first two movies especially so I I was in the theater opening day for that reboot one, and I also saw the Mark Wahlberg Planet of the Apes that Tim Burton directed. I saw that one in theater too. That was uh, here's what I'll say about that. That that has the best looking apes of any of the films. Still, you can throw that on right now, and you can see Tim Roth running around as a chimpanzee general Nazi, essentially, and it looks great. Oh, Michael true, Clark right. Duncan's awesome in that movie, Helen. Helena Bonham Carter as uh, what was her name Val- Valerie Jarrett. She plays that character. Got Roseanne fired, and all the all the apes look tremendous in that film. Danny Elfman comes back to do the score. Hey, Danny Elfman. Was that makeup? Tim Burton. Was that ma- was that makeup on the Tim Burton movie? Yes, it was makeup and oh. uh, prosthetics. Just with that alone, you know, sick. I, it was I a didn't even big know, you know, I didn't, I didn't know that Michael Clark Duncan played that giant monkey. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know that Team Roth was that guy either. That's pretty awesome. Because uh, I saw that in the theater and I just remember being like, yeah, okay, cool. I, I can tell, I can say that I've seen it. I have no memory of it other than uh, I remember uh, Mark Wahlberg dressed in white and everything else was kind of dark. And it was kind of not great. And that's that's it. <laughs> that's the only thing I remember from that movie. So now that you say that, I might, I might have to revisit. I might, I might uh, find, uh, you know, enjoyment on something that I've shot on before. Well, uh, if, if there's enjoyment to be found, in it, it's certainly of the technical variety. Because mm-hmm. nothing has changed as far as, uh, you know, oh, wow, the story was actually a lot deeper than what we thought. Right. No, it's not. It's not that. But... You know, considering the direction that they went in, you know, and Andy Serkis is a tremendous performer. He's also in this film. Obviously, we're going to be talking about it tonight. There's a lot of overlap. Um, but it just is not the same as seeing people dressed up as apes and wearing these, you know, half masks, half uh, makeup, giant outfits that probably are miserable to be in in, in oh, yeah. any sort of warm weather, going around and hopping up and down, you know, really stretching those facial muscles to emote and give a good performance. It's not the same. That's what I like. That's what I get out of Planet of the Apes. And they're not going to do that. But I will tell you one thing, something that I did notice with the Batman movie. Now, I haven't watched the book of Boba Fett or any of those Star Wars shows, but I know that what they were known for and part of what inspired some of what we did with Mass State Lottery was, um, you know, the replacement of chroma keying and green screen with the revival of not rear projection, although I I suppose it is somewhat rear projection, but, um, you know, 4k pristine projection as a, as a background. And we, we did that a little bit with mass state lottery to varying results. When we did it with you, that was a big old pain. You know, as rink-a-dink and as fucked up and and horrible as that seemed in the moment, it looks great in the movie. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Because that was, that 
that sounded so much easier when we planned it and mm -hmm. then when it was time to do it when we had i don't know we were exhausted after shooting uh, that was the day when i was like running and shit right i was exhausted from the only physical action that sounds weird physical activity i had uh on that trip where, where i had to like run around and shit and then trying to figure out how to solve that in in an hour at night i'm glad you were able to get anything that works really no, yeah, I, I think it looks fantastic. In the we we use that in limited capacity, but it pops up in a couple of other uh, scenes as well that we didn't shoot during that stretch of time where I I was able to uh, make use of this very expensive projector, probably the most expensive purchase I've ever made in my entire life. This damn thing, and I am selling it. I am getting rid of it immediately, getting all that <laughs> money back because I need it right now. <laughs> it's bad. Um, but it looks good. It all looks really good. And I think if we had better resources as far as like a, a, a bigger space, essentially right. to do that when we were shooting mass day lottery in November, it would have been a lot simpler to do that. So the Batman, what they did was, you know, there probably is a significant amount of green screen and all that for filling in certain blanks. But what I noticed with this film is that they returned to the same locations couple of different times which you don't see too often in batman you know in the burton and schumacher batman movies although no it wasn't burton in the schumacher batman movies batman forever especially batman goes to the rooftop and he meets with commissioner gordon and then another time is chase meridian uh nicole kidman trying to sleep with him just slutting it up mm -hmm. with her bra hanging out and oh a middle-aged slut that Nicole Kidman. Uh, in this movie, you have them... Like 20-something, Ben? <laughs> in this movie, you have them at a uh, like a construction site. That's the secret meat spot for Commissioner Gordon and Bruce uh -huh. Wayne. And uh, Zoe Kravitz, Catwoman, pops up. And he meets with her there a couple of times as well. They use this location, and it looks the exact same every time. Three or four times. And it's the big orange sunset, or sunrise, rather. And that is projection. That's not green screen. That's all uh, being projected through LEDs in a studio somewhere. I didn't even think about your projection, but it looks much better than what you see from green screen. For whatever reason, we I don't feel like we've been able to master green screen yet, uh, especially, well... It's difficult to say because I feel like this this green screen technology doesn't age well. Uh, so maybe something that looks good now in a couple of years might not look as great as we've seen with a lot of special effects from early two thousands, mid mid two thousands. Uh, this looked great. I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't paying enough attention to it uh, to notice that but i guess that's a that's a compliment to it because it doesn't become a distraction right mm -hmm. uh, or at least it wasn't for me i wasn't really looking for for that well, the big stuff, upside to that i mean the, the actual problem with green screen and chroma key is not that necessarily itself but with layering and making layering look authentic um so what i've actually noticed though when i've gone back to some dramas some thrillers etc from the early 2000s is that the green screen in those movies again i watched get richard die trying i watched this horrible sandra bullock movie murder by numbers which has a young ryan gosling as a sociopath in it michael pitt uh what i noticed in those films is that there's green screen the green screen doesn't look good but it look it blends and it looks a, a lot better 
than what we've been given now because I think so many of these visual artists have worked on Marvel films, have worked on big budget uh, sci-fi movies that, you know, you're making everything from scratch. You're not blending it into a real environment that when they do that now, like in something uh, such as The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It, it looks completely uh, artificial. Yeah. So, and it, it doesn't need to. It should be very simple to, to, I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with coming up with backgrounds and, and objects digitally as opposed to just going out and photographing whatever that might be. Well, that scene that you mentioned, that episode that we talked about where uh, they're on a cliff, but you can tell that it's not a cliff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's just laying there. No, he's laying. I don't remember which one of them it was, but it just looked very artificial. Like, it just looked like they're, they're not there. Like, they're, they're not in the woods. It never looked like they were in the woods at no. all. No. Um, so it, yeah. it's a lot of that. It's a lot of we have, I mean, we have access to, they, again, and with that movie, they could have just went out to... Mm -hmm anywhere in California with a set of woods and went and done that. And they chose not to, they chose to do yeah. it all in house and it doesn't look good Just with go the Batman. Jerry, Northern California. You get all this. Yeah. 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 Forest I, and, yeah. I mean, you don't even really need to do that. You can go out to like Joshua tree or somewhere. Yeah. That's all an hour and a half from LA. It would have been a very minor inconvenience for the cast and crew. So there's no reason for them to do that, but they continue to do that. And it, makes movies look cheaper with the Batman. One of the things that I love about this movie, and there's a lot that I do um, quite like about the film is the sense of environment feels real. It feels like they went out to New York and uh, some of the lesser parts of New York and maybe some of the classier parts of New York and dirtied it up, made it look like old New York and gave it a, a, a strong sense of character that I think was lacking from the later Nolan films, especially, you know, when we were doing that Batman Begins show, my biggest gripe was that he just kind of gave up on the idea of dressing up Gotham City in Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. He said, no, I'm, I'm doing my version of Heat. I'm doing Occupy Wall Street in the winter with Bane. Um, and it's just going to be New York and it's going to be, it's not, it's not, it's going to be Chicago. And it's going to be Wall Street. You know, in, it's, in, a, it's a big contrast in between that and uh, Burton or Schumacher. Who, both of, of those styles, even though they're not similar, I guess they're similar uh, the point where they're just crazy people that create a world within that world. So the Schumacher world is colorful. It's obviously sets. It doesn't look like a city at all. Uh, and then the, the Tim Burton one, it looks like a city, both of mm -hmm. them. The first one more than the second, but it's also dressed up to make it have a personality, so that the so that the city becomes a character, even if it's not directly an influence into anyone else's uh, uh, story or anything. But it feels like a part of the movie. The Nolan ones, like you said, yeah, it feels like well, they're in a city, yeah, cool. But uh, that's one thing that I that I also really enjoyed about this one that. Uh, they they went back to to make it a very noir ish where the where the city feels like it's like a breathing member of the movie and like at uh, at, at an like it feels very unsafe like it feels very New York from seven, like um what's the what's the fucking movie uh, maniac ish at times too like just yeah. dirty and raw and and 
and uh, like he like he would be in a in a town where Batman is like a young guy that hasn't been able to to uh, I guess like, serves his his uh, do- dominance. I don't know. That's a weird a weird weird way to put it. But like you know, he he doesn't control the city yet, so it's obvious that everyone's still scared. Uh, they use the shadows really well. I really like that. Um, but sorry, I didn't mean to to cut you off. You were you were in the middle of of something. Oh no no no! I I was just saying, um, you know, in comparison to uh, where we kind of left off with any sort of real sense of Gotham, I think the last time we had Gotham with some flair to it was probably what it was. Batman Begins, which uh, has a similar orange kind of tint to it, has a more um, you know uh, low income area vibe that this one certainly has, but. I I don't think there's a Gotham City aside from maybe that that first Burton film that feels as inhabited or as thought out as this version in Matt Reeves' film. So that is a big plus for me. I really enjoyed uh, everything I saw with that. It's one of the absolute strengths and highlights of the movie. Did you like, by the way, how uh, Batman stops the first crime that he intercepts in the film is just... Uh, an Asian hate crime is the knockout game happening on the subway. Yeah, wow. and the ha- and the half black guy, he's like the good guy. He's a pussy. <laughs> he's the good they should have the yeah. threw him on the tracks for being so hesitant. Um, yeah, one thing that made me giggle though, that was supposed to made me that made me laugh, that was supposed to be threatening, was that whenever Batman would walk into anywhere. He would just walk. It's Clint Eastwood. He's got his cowboy boots on. Slowly. <laughs> so he was like, you're not, why are you trying to scare everyone? <laughs> just walk. And he's just like walking very slowly into everywhere just to, I guess, I don't know, part, part of the character. But on that first one, it worked. I, I really like that first scene, uh, setting him up as like, uh, you know, uh, this is a guy that we've heard of, but we just, we still want to kick his ass to prove how bad we are. Uh, and he's just a young guy that's still getting kind of beat up. Uh, but the the use of shadows in in the movie by the character, uh, I I really enjoy that. I really like that scene uh, where the the shot is only um, illuminated by the gunshots uh, when he goes to see Carmine Falcone, and uh, he goes into the elevator and he's just he's just beating them up, and and you just see gunshots lighting the scene that was really cool yeah that was one of my favorite scenes there but yeah that, yes, the, that was very resident evil welcome to raccoon city that's where yeah, we saw great. that before chris redfield shooting the zombies <laughs> matt reeves obviously a big fan of resident evil welcome to yeah. raccoon city um very kick-ass you know very kick-ass, kick-ass too, i think yeah and daredevil they love doing that also mass state lottery yeah. I think. I don't know. Maybe something somewhere in there kind of like that. Uh, anyway, um, let's not jump to the third act of the movie, though. There's so yeah. much to cover with that first because it feels like this movie kind of has a vibe to it where it's not. I mean, it's it feels like a feature. But then you think about the story and you think about everything that happens. It feels more like it's a four part miniseries or something. Mm-hmm. It's got that sort of feeling to it where. The first 40 minutes is kind of an introduction to this Batman character. The next 40 minutes is more Riddler-centric, ends with Alfred getting blown up. And then we go into, all right, well, now he's solving the case. And then the aftermath of that, which is the Madison or Gotham Square Garden being flooded. And that's its own thing. 
So let's focus on that first chunk where we're introduced to this version of Batman, which, first of all, another thing I really thoroughly liked about this Batman is just how fucking skinny uh, Robert Pattinson is, how he looks unimpressive as hell as Batman. He's struggling to move like a table at one point because his arms are just so (laughs) frail. I was like, damn, I have bigger arms than Batman. That's great. Well, there's there's such shot from behind him where he's taking off the suit, I think it is. And he's just a skinny, skinny bag with like mm-hmm. no muscles at all. You're he like, looked, oh. it, for some of it, he kind of looked like Joaquin Phoenix and Joker when they showed him, yeah. you know, stretching out <laughs> on the bench. Which, by yeah. the way, they missed opportunity. I mean, granted, I kind of like Joker existing on its own, mm-hmm. but this feels like Joker 20 years later, essentially. Like, this seems like a natural evolution for that kind of Gotham. I think the problem with introducing that Joker character here is that. How how long do we really spend with Joker as with him as the Joker? You know what I mean? Like he I feel like he doesn't become the Joker until the the third act. Uh so I don't know if we saw enough of him for him to become a, a villain for for him to fit into this new story. So I don't really mind it not being a part of it. I also don't want DC to try to join any universes again because I I like I like these movies uh, on their own as they've they've been doing them. So the Joker by them by themselves. I know they're probably going to make a second one. I don't know if they're still doing it. Or, well, here uh, but... the word on the the street has been that Todd Phillips was in the middle of writing that second Joker film, and my guess is that it won't happen. That he's just mm-hmm. taken the money, and he probably knows it's not going to happen. And that's maybe the smartest thing to do. Yeah, but we'll see. You know, I, I would hate to see it. You know, Todd Phillips does not seem like a guy who knows what to do with a sequel. Because if you take a look at The Hangover, successful film, he just does The Hangover again, but in Thailand. And then for the third one, he's like, I'm done with comedy. I want to be a serious director. And you can see that in The Hangover 3 because it turns into essentially like a a gritty, violent film with comedy undertones. I don't think I ever saw that third one. You're you're better for it. Don't don't bother. I'll, but I'll tell you what, I didn't like the first original Hangover, and I like the Hangover 2 more than more than the Hangover. So my opinion yeah, maybe is the best. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yes. <women> in it. <laughs> Everybody knows uh, it just makes makes it better. Hans. Yeah, I I really liked uh, how they introduced the... It, before I get into the Catwoman character, I think the, the one thing you could cut from this movie is maybe a little bit of that relationship. Uh, I don't, I, I, I didn't care about her and her dad. I didn't care about the touch and go relationship he has with Batman, which we all know and are familiar with, and we know where that's going to end. They're not going to end together. So I feel like they, they, we spent maybe what, like 40 minutes between them two where what they were doing didn't really feel like was moving the main plot forward. And it was more of like a, a side quest to get Catwoman her due, I guess. And as yeah. much as she's, she's beautiful. Like she's, a, she's a, she's beautiful. She's a great, uh, she's a good actress. I enjoyed her here. I, I liked her in the role. I just didn't care for that relationship. It felt kind of forced at times and just awkward. And, and I, I feel like maybe if you cut, I don't know, half of it. Uh, I don't think it would have affected the main story of the movie as much. Uh, and I don't think we got enough from them too to 
warrant as much time as we spend with with both of them in like a oh is she is he being flirty or am I being flirty wait do, do I does she like me or does he not like me oh we're we're gonna talk close to each other maybe we'll kiss oh no wait no we're not oh well we'll kiss a little bit no never mind like that, that shit I was just like all right can we move to that I'm more interested in them in him being a detective and resolving this problem than than the fucking Russian prostitute friend that got killed or whatever you know Sure. Uh, I didn't mind that so much, but I agree that it did take away from the... It made it start to feel like two different movies. Like you yeah. had a Catwoman movie going on inside of the Batman movie where he's trying to crack down on this. I, I, I don't think you had to remove that entirely or remove her character or Carmine yeah. Falcone or, or anything like that. I think, yeah, it would have benefited from it being minimized and maybe... Say, I mean, I, I think there's going to be three different shows that come out of this movie and one is going to be an arkham series another is going to be a penguin show which i don't i mean i'll watch that i like colin farrell in this movie um, i thought he was hilarious i laughed multiple times so much of a piece of shit the character <laughs> was that was like that had me laughing and i thought he was great like he's like he was just a cartoon and that's what I guess what you expect from a character that's that ridiculous that they call him the penguin and he's mm -hmm. all disfigured. And there's a scene where where he's uh, they left uh, left him uh, tied up and he starts walking like a penguin because he's all tied up. It was funny. He he was like a yeah like a cartoon that that I guess you were supposed to feel uh, threatened or or feel like he he would be a threat, but not really. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I. I I thought that it was unnecessary to cast a handsome actor as a and then ugly him up <laughs> like this when you could just get an ugly actor. But I think he knocked it out of the park. It was one of the parts that I enjoyed the most and like hit the small role that he played here. I agree. I completely agree. I I think he's a great penguin. I just don't know if it's a good idea to pluck uh, someone who's a highlight in a small capacity out and then oh, give no. them their own thing. Because that can that can work sometimes. I thought the Peacemaker show uh, on HBO Max was, uh, for the most part, very good and pretty funny. And I thought that John Cena was one of the highlights or the highlight of that Suicide Squad movie James Gunn did. So I was intrigued and fine with that. But as far as the Batman goes, I mean, what are we going to see? It's essentially just going to be like Sopranos, but it's the Penguin like is that really what like the the high mark that we can set with this is? Is he is Colin Farrell, the, is he gonna want to do right? Is he is he gonna want to do multiple seasons dressed in fucking pounds of latex, sweating on a set for twelve hour episodes? Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know about that. Just to to introduce minor Batman villains, uh, and they're doing another Gotham, but now it's HBO Max Gotham. Is that is that what? What's happening? Well, the original About idea the police, right? was supposed to be Gotham PD. I know they did a series, uh, a comic book series back in the early aughts that was Gotham PD. And that got converted into an Arkham series. So you're going to see oh. the Mad Hatter. Yeah. Yeah. Egghead. King Tut yeah. will come back. <laughs> Bookworm yeah. will get his due. Yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about about when companies do this that I, I don't know if uh if this three shows were announced before the movie came out but if they were not i i don't like that they're piggybacking on one winner and then expanding it into three different things that are longer than the thing that worked 
because that usually doesn't work because <laughs> it's just you know you're you're just stretching something that worked as it is uh without keeping the elements of what worked um that arkham one could be interesting i guess just because again you could just pluck different villains there's a lot of them but the problem with that is that batman also has a lot of very silly villains like you just mentioned so i don't know i don't know how greedy you could do that are you gonna are we gonna have another killer croc guy and and you know i mean i guess you have to it's one of the the big villains there but i i I wish they would just leave it as it is i mean there's a there's gonna be a sequel right or a trilogy with this movie right I think that the the idea for now is that it's going to be a trilogy of films. And one of the producers, I think, said that it's going to be under five years before we see that second one, which uh, that you're basically saying nothing. You know, it should be what, two years from now that we're going to get one of these these movies. But I'll tell you what, um, I think as far as the series go, especially, I wouldn't mind seeing these characters in somebody else's hands within this universe. I don't know if that's going to result in the same level of quality necessarily. It really depends on who's helming it. With James Gunn and uh, the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker, he directed most of those episodes. He wrote most of the episodes. And you could feel when he wasn't behind the camera or someone lesser was behind the camera. When someone, you know, maybe not uh, equal to him or or necessarily above, but, uh, you know, I don't know, someone who is... uh, you know, lateral enough to James Gunn. When Jody Hill uh, wrote and directed an episode, it didn't feel out of step too much, but the humor was a little bit different, and it felt like, oh, this is kind of this is different. This is nice, right? Uh, but the when they delivery a little bit different, and... right? They had another director though who did that exact thing, and it didn't work out. It was actually a really corny and bad episode, terrible episode, uh-huh. cheesy. Um, so I, I worry that we might get a little bit of this and that, and for like a film universe and especially one that you want to keep self-contained. I don't know if that's the best approach, but I will say as much as I, I, I enjoyed this film, I don't know if the end made me feel, and I we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but since we're talking about spinoffs and sequels and all that, I don't know if the end made me feel confident that I'm going to like whatever comes next from Matt Reeves and this Batman. How, what about you? Why? Because of the jail angle no 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 no. i didn't mind well there's things about that that i i didn't uh you know i wasn't thrilled with but just i think the sudden tone shift in you know a lot of people have been saying the third act suffers i don't think it's the third act that suffers i think it's the last fourth of the movie i think it's the last 35 minutes or so that's not the entire third act once they catch the riddler and he's in prison uh, or he's in arkham rather you know, that's all we're fine with. You can end the movie right there. It's like, all right. Yeah. Cool. Good. And then they subverted. Yeah. And I had it, a problem with that. And it, it felt, felt like, like it ended like four times. People have been saying that. Yeah. It feels like it has a bunch of different endings and it does. But yeah, my issue is the first, this was how, how long is this movie? Two hours, 47 minutes. Two I think it is. I, yeah, something like that, yeah. Okay, let's say for the first two hours of this movie. Oof, no, 2.56. 2.56. Just push it at yeah. three hours in that case. Three Stop hours. being a coward. Yeah. Just be. Just get the three. <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street is two hours, 59 minutes. Pisses me off. They didn't just throw on the extra minute. Um, they knew it would scare people. That's why. But this movie, yeah. 
for the first two hours, we'll say, is one film. And that film wants to be a serious crime thriller. This is very good mystery. And then the last 40 minutes is a superhero movie. And maybe yeah. you can go, well, it's a Batman movie. You should have known what you're signing. Of course, it's going to be a superhero movie. But that again, that first two hours keeps you in this comfortable world of like, all right, this is dark and gritty, uh, crime, mob thriller, serial killer film. And now the garden is flooded and Batman is taking a bullet to yeah. the chest every three seconds and he's knocking. The, he doesn't kill. He doesn't, he doesn't kill people. He doesn't use a gun. And I was thinking like, Robert Pattinson's Batman is collecting bullets left and right into his fucking torso and chest. No one somehow misses this area, this one exposed area. No one ever goes for that. They go for the armor and the chest. He gets shot maybe fucking 40 times in this movie by Riddler's henchmen, right? With and shotguns, yeah. With, shot, with shotguns. <laughs> he takes a shotgun and he, after getting shot, he fucking hits somebody in the head. And I was just thinking... If this was Ben Affleck's Batman, Ben Affleck's Batman got stabbed, pulled the fucking knife out and said, no, fuck you. Now you die and fucking killed the dude. He stuck him against the wall with the knife. And that was it. That's yeah. what should have happened. Not I'm Robert Pattinson. I'm just. No, gonna, but, boom, boom, but boom. don't you get don't you get that if he kills one person, he becomes the same as them. It was. Oh, God. <laughs> Come yeah, on. I you know what? Uh that's a perfect cut for, for the movie when well we spoilers, can we yeah, fuck it, spoilers. What are you talking spoilers about? From, from we spoil so much already. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So when Falcone is taken out with the whole, you know, bring him to the light thing or whatever, he's taken out and he gets murdered, and then the Riddler gets caught. If you ended there, I think it would have, yeah, like you said, a much better, stronger movie. Because the the things that the Batman does in the past in the, in the last half hour is not the Batman that we saw for the first two no. hours, where he's a, he's a detective, he's trying to solve this thing, he's trying to outsmart someone that's smarter than him. Uh, he's still not uh, fully trained. He's still kind of sloppy, as you can see with his squirrel flying squirrel suit that he fucks himself up in that in that uh, bridge. Uh, he's kind of sloppy with with uh, the way he fights. He's still trying to figure it out, and then all of a sudden, he's like this this hero that Gotham needs. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's saving children and putting his himself at risk by cutting an electrical cable to dump it on water when there's people on the water. I was I was confused by that scene because I was like, wait, there's water down there and there's people there, and he just like jumps with a like a cable full of electricity i was like is he trying to kill everyone while killing himself i thought he was trying to do like a like an ex you know what batman exit where oh is he dead or is he not and then he just comes out and starts saving children um it's definitely weird when when you think about the first two hours and everything that happens there and it's like a completely yeah tonal change there for the last half hour where he goes from that to that and then also you have the the romance angle, which is five to ten minutes at the end too, when they, they're riding the bikes together, and then we stop, and then we have a little speech of, "I'm gonna go, but you should come with me." It's like I can't because this is my city, and it's just like, "All right, do we fucking need this?" Uh oh, uh oh, looks like Hans is frozen up here. Well, yeah. Oh, you froze up for a second there. That was oh. that was a good good rebound. But uh, yeah, I mean. 
it, it turns into a different, you know what it felt like? It felt like Matt Reeves logged on to Twitter right as he was finishing the <laughs> script. He was like, all right, I just wrote 120 pages now. Now I'm, I'm just about to finish the movie. Let me just go on Twitter and I'll scroll for a little bit. Oh, well, I guess I have 57 more pages to write. And it was a lot of people complaining like, I want I want Batman the animated series Batman. Batman should be a beacon of hope. Batman should should never use a gun. Batman should never kill. What about Batman as a good guy? And that's what he got shoehorned in at the end is no, don't do that. No, no guns, no no killing and I'm going to save every I'm going to be in Christopher Nolan's Batman in this last 30 minutes of the movie. We're going to repeat the Dark Knight Rises and Batman Begins at the same time and it's going to work out with everyone being okay. And it just kind of sucked. It was uh, yeah. I wasn't into it. I it, and it didn't blow the entire movie for me. But it brought like I was really su- I was surprised at how much I was vibing the film in the first forty five minutes, and and everything with Falcone and Penguin and so yeah, Selena Kyle's like a call girl kind of out of the Frank Miller Year One uh, version, and Robert Pattinson is a weird antisocial version of Bruce Wayne where he doesn't want to interact with anybody, he doesn't know how to talk to people. If you're gonna lose his money because he hasn't invested in anything or put it anywhere, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. There's a scene where the what is it? The accountants are coming or something because he, he just doesn't money. care. Yeah. The fact that yeah. they they keep the movie almost entire, aside from a couple of shots at Wayne Manor where he's just like waking up in an oversized T-shirt and throws on some glasses like a vampire. It's all at night and uh, very early in the morning. It all looks great. It's always raining. It's very taxi driver in New York. Um, but that ending, that ending felt like we we have to turn Batman into Superman. And the, and the weird part is that the, I guess the part where uh, he's the most emotional or the most, he, I don't even want to say heroic because he's not. It's uh, in that scene in the hospital where he's talking to Al- uh, Alfred and, uh, and he's like, uh, God, he's such you know, a piece the... of shit to Alfred, isn't he? He's just like, yeah, you fuck you, you know, you got blown up. You fucking lied to me. Just, to, just say you lied to yeah. me, <laughs> asshole. But, 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 but nothing that we set up sets him up as this Superman like hero, and then that's what he ends up becoming at the end. And I, I don't know if uh, the excuse of uh, this new mayor needs help and who better to help her than Batman isn't enough excuse to turn him into what he ends up becoming at the end, especially when you've set up a completely different character for the first three quarters of the movie. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it's kind of kind of like, yeah, like you said, like extra, like not part of the story. Just, hey, how about, you know, the, we add a little bit of, a hopeful Batman that saves people and saves children. And remember that kid from the beginning, the one that whose dad got killed. That's the kid he's gonna go save because yeah, he's just gonna show up every everywhere where there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. So the funeral. Oh, there's the kid, Madison Square Garden. He's there, of course. The first one I'm gonna go save. Fuck that family that's there. Fuck that old lady. The kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's just. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't. Now that you say it like that, I yeah. It's a lot more. Um, evident that big change or that big flip in between 
the movie that ends with Falcone getting killed the, the, and the Riddler getting caught and then whatever post-credits half an hour where Batman is like, like you said, a beacon of hope. What did you and, think uh, of uh, Paul Dano as the Riddler in this movie? Because I'll tell you what, I liked him as the Riddler and then when he was Edward Nashton, I was like, get the fuck off the screen. I hate this. Yeah, I I thought uh, while his mask was on, uh, it was great. I've been a fan of the design of the of the character since it, it came out, so I was interested to see how they were going to use that physically. And I think keeping him on a screen at all times was a really smart idea because uh, the Riddler is not really an, a physically imposing character, uh, so it's not like you're going to have Batman, you know beating him up or, or getting in a fight with him because the Riddler's not going to fight him. Uh, so keeping him as like this recluse uh, uh, live streamer, I guess, uh, I really like that. But yeah, that scene, that's another scene also that I felt was a bit long uh, mm-hmm. when he's talking to Batman at Arkham. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I like him. I think he's I think he's one of the best uh, actors working in Hollywood because I feel like he's always uh, brings something different that you wouldn't expect. And I think he's always great, at least from what I've seen. A big but, old creepy moon face. He was perfect yeah. for, for the shots where he had his mouth shut when he's getting yeah. apprehended by the police. And he's just grinning. He's got a big, round, dumb-looking face. But he has like a kid, yeah, like a boy face, even though he's probably like 30 or 40, no, not 40, he's, no, he's a, 33. He's somewhere between 32. our ages. I think he, yeah, yeah, he's about that. Uh, but all, all the, he's 37, uh, but uh, all, all that personality that character had is lost um, when, when you, when you look <laughs> When you look like that, when you look like such a nice boy, you know, he doesn't look threatening at all. And I guess that could work like that could work as, as the psycho is, is you know, uh, non-threatening looking. But they try to make him too much. Uh, it's too much. They, he goes yeah. Tommy Lee Jones, Two-Face in yeah. this movie once he's yeah. Edward Nashton. So the the sort of like calm intellect that we have uh, as as like an idea of the Riddler, aside from when he's hamming it up on on the cell phone videos, Heath Ledger's mm-hmm. Joker style, which I didn't mind. Uh, yeah. Clearly, he's performed, but you you get a quick glimpse of him giving a video to his audience, kind of describing what the plan is going to be, and he seems pretty level headed for his like. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have made fun of this. He's got over five hundred followers, but right. whatever. If he's a, a weirdo with a niche following, fine, I'll go along with it enough. Mm-hmm. Like that part is I, that doesn't bother me so much. When we Red get to Arkham, and he decides, you know, I've only got like six minutes of real FaceTime in this movie, where I I can perform something and I'm not behind a mask. Well, I really have to go for it, and that was not what he should have done. He should have kept it at like a three or a four, and he goes to about an unnecessary seven or eight in terms of wackiness and the whole rant about Bruce Wayne and then kind of extinguishing that. Yeah. I didn't like that. I thought it was like, all right, Batman has to deal with like what you said, he's dealing with someone who's smarter than himself and that's who who the Riddler should be. Oh, but he's just going to do this weirdo rant and he didn't figure out that Batman wasn't his friend. Right. He thought he Batman, I wish I kind of, I kind of like that, but it seemed like a little very sudden jarring shift and then he has like a like a meltdown over that 
and yeah. the acting's not great with that as far as Paul Dano goes. Um, mm. I, I I didn't like that Bruce Angle either because he didn't affect anything. Uh, if he had become a part of the story where maybe another character other than them two realized it because of him and then Batman has to deal with that, that maybe it would have been more interesting. But him just saying, Bruce Wayne, over and over again, when the, I don't know if the video was being recorded or not, if the camera was recording, the, the security camera was recording video or not, we don't see any of that. It's just that interaction there between them two. And uh, it felt like it didn't really affect anything. Uh, it doesn't he, fit he, the MO of the Riddler and what he's trying to do with his goal, where he's like, I have to bring about, you know, you have the the mayor who kind of wins by default because what the opponent is killed, uh, Bella mm -hmm. Rael, a real change. Right. And that's her whole slogan. It's very Obama-esque. Yeah. And his whole thing is, it ain't going to matter. You know, you, you elect the same people, but there's actually, you know, shadow figures, you know, the shadow government that that's always top of the heat that's making all the decisions. In this movie, that's Carmine Falcone, um, who's kind of a whitey bulger figure where he's an informant for the Gotham PD and, and all that uh, to ensure that he stays on top of things. And Edward Nashton has this idea that we're going to assassinate these corrupt political figures because that's going to start causing shifts in the machine. And it's all going to culminate to this big event where we're going to kill the mayor and f blow up Gotham. And uh, the water supply is going to be flooded into the city and everyone's going to. Oh, wow. Oh, so 1966 Batman. Um, yeah, Batman running with a bomb. Yeah, that that's what said. we needed. Rob Pattinson is <laughs> one of the C four. He's running out wearing, with, wearing shorts and a surfboard, <laughs> running out with Peter Sarsgaard's head at the funeral. Just there you go. Um, it's it doesn't fit. Oh shit! That was one of the Sarsgaard's brothers. That's true. It's like this guy looks very familiar, but it, he plays a very good pathetic man. You know, well, he's not he's one of the brothers. Day. His name is just Skarsgård. He got lucky. Oh, he's not. Yeah, so he can get that clout, but he is not related at all. Um, yeah, he looked pretty, pretty, pretty well aged, wouldn't you say? Yes, I'll put it that way. Um, <laughs> he was great as that character. I sure. believe it. You know, yeah, that yeah, was, that was very good. Yeah, it's like this horny, but not really, but kind of, but ashamed of being horny character. Mm -hmm. Just a very apprehensive, horny guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he he's good. But um, to what I was saying, yeah, so you kill Bruce Wayne, who's not involved in anything. They make a point to say that he's not a philanthropist. Um, and, he, you know, he doesn't really seem to care about Gotham. It's not doing anything. Now, there's a, you know, there's a children's novel for the Batman that establishes, you know, they knew each other as children because of the orphanage or whatever. But there's not really a point in that. It's just to make it feel a little more connected, I guess, and to make the stakes higher for, for Bruce Wayne as opposed to just solving a case. But um, I didn't need it. Didn't need that. Uh, I think it should have just been kept simple. And here's the thing that I think makes Joker a far superior film is that it never got too big for its britches. Joker understood, like, this is what we're doing. This is game plan. We're going to do small crime thriller. And Matt Reeves said, all right, we're going to do a small crime thriller. And then it's going to be a Batman movie. <laughs> and it was mostly small crime thriller. 
and then a little bit of Batman yeah. movie at the end. And yeah. it didn't stick the landing for me. Uh, I think it should have been as simple as here, here's what it should have been. Riddler knows that Bruce Wayne is Bruce. Uh, Riddler kills the mayor. Batman fucks up or whatever. And Batman just has to live with it. You got to depress Batman. Cause that's what this Batman is best at being is sad, sad Batman. Yeah. And you have that threat of the Riddler being an Arkham knowing he's secret. And you leave it at that. You don't show him freaking out. And he can't kill him because it's against yeah. his code. Then you have like right. added stakes to that. And you really have to think about that. And then that scene where the Riddler and the proto Joker, which is what Matt Reeves is calling it, uh, will be different. Because then, you know, you have the Riddler that knows something that... Uh, something about Batman that no one else knows. And, and then you can play a little bit with that, with those two characters, if that's what you're going to do on, on the following movies. But it felt like a non-element that they decided to throw in there. Do you think that they were just trying to have the Joker in jail moment from the dark Knight hmm. with this character? Because he's not really, like you said, he's on screen with a mask on the, whole time but he doesn't really have he didn't really have that monologue uh iconic joker like moment like the joker has in that movie where he's in jail and you know have you have that interaction between him and batman that's very memorable or whatever and then in this in this movie uh their only interaction they have i i think up to that point is when uh they're in church and this sarsgaard a church yeah church and sarsgaard guy has the bomb on his neck that's the only time where they interact outside of this live, I feel like, right? Are you talking about the Riddler or the Joker? Yeah, yeah. No, the Riddler. The Riddler and Batman. Yeah, because every everything else was just videos that he was seeing. So yeah. I feel like the only time they interacted before they scene in jail was that scene uh, in church. So I'm wondering if Matt Reeves was like, you know what? With Paul, Paul Dano, he's a really talented actor. We have to give him his scene. You're right. There's this. This is the least amount of Batman and the primary villain ever sharing screen time, and there's no like hand-to-hand combat between them mm-hmm. at, at any point. He just kind of roughs up a bunch of goons at the the was it the Iceberg Lounge or Five Below? I think they they call it, they renamed it, right. but it's Penguins Club. Um, yeah, I, it might have been that a bit, but I feel like they wanted a Kevin Spacey at the end of Seven moment where it's like here's my big plan and then they chose to make him a crazy guy as opposed to like a very astute intellectual which is what we've had the i mean he's clearly unhinged but i don't know uh it just it didn't do it for me now as far as the joker goes because i maybe you just accidentally said the joker's name when you're talking about the arkham scene um what did you because i originally watched the the leaked Spanish cam that showed Barry Keoghan as the Joker. And we talked about on the show how they put out false information. He was Stanley Merkel, who's some obscure cop. That probably would have been better, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm not convinced he can pull it. I think he's a very good actor. I'm just not convinced that he's the guy for that role. And from what little we saw, it seemed like they had like a prosthetic here that was doing this to his face. Uh, That could be fine. Uh, I don't like his nose for Joker. I think the Joker should have, um, you know, a more prominent nose. Long. Yes. Yeah, not not a fat button. A little, yeah, a little <laughs> button tried. squeaky yeah. nose. A little cute nose, Joker. <laughs> yeah, the Joker is usually very 
angular, right? The yeah. design of the Joker is very, very sharp, uh, cheekbones and chin and nose. Uh, I mean, I can't, I, I can't uh, shit on him because so, difficult I to remember, say right now. Yeah, I remember when Heath Ledger was announced and everyone was like, this guy, like, this guy sucks. Like, this guy is romantic comedy guy. Like, he's never going to be able to be the Joker. And then he was so good that he died for it, right? Mm. Uh, then you have Joaquin Phoenix. I hope that who... happens again before they shoot this next one. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix is a great actor. So, I mean, I guess you expect him to give a good performance. But then he went all in, which is why that movie, well, one of the biggest reasons why that movie works so well is because he gives such a great performance he could have it in him i, I don't know i saw him in eternals the last thing i ever saw him oh, in God, and, uh, and that was a big piece of shit so i'm not very familiar with his filmography i i can't say i'm a fan i can't say i know or i or even can name five movies that he's in off the top of my head uh but i i, I don't know i uh you put a lot of doubt in my head after making me realize that this, there's two different movies in this movie. So now that you say that, it's like, yeah, if it was handled like the first three quarters of the movie, I'm all in. I'm all for it. But with the way they decided to end the movie, I don't know if if, if that's the direction moving forward. Maybe it's just like, yeah, we had the detective Batman now. So now that that's over with. Uh, now you know he's older and I don't know more more physical maybe or maybe a Robin there somewhere or a, or a, um, Bad Girl. Well, we're getting no, they're Bad doing Girl. a Bad Girl movie, right? Right. So well, we were supposed to get it this year along with the Flash, but everything just got pushed to next year, which is not a good sign. Ooh. I I everything on the DC slate got pushed back about six months. Um, so the again the flash movie was supposed to be out in like august of 2017 and it was going to be this year they were finally going to do it this year now it's next year and you can't do the batgirl movie before the flash movie because then you're gonna have michael keaton's batman in there with jk simmons commissioner gordon and people are going to be confused and they're gonna go wait a minute it was so does robert pattinson become michael keaton's batman Wait, that's Commissioner Gordon from the Ben Affleck. All right, so these are all the same movie. This is all the same timeline. Is Commissioner Gordon going to become Batman like he did in the comic? Is that what happens is, in a comic? Uh, is, is, yeah, I, 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 I don't know if it's the the current run, but uh, I started reading this series called We Are Robin, uh, and it's about a I'm familiar like a, 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 the group of kids or whatever. The Batman in that universe is commissioner gordon inside of like an armor that's kind of like a robot yeah so i don't know if that's why he got so ripped otherwise why would he get ripped of like 70 that makes no sense <laughs> no sense to me for jk simmons to just all of a sudden his entire career he's been kind of, kind of pudgy even when he's played soldiers or when he played that white supremacist in oz he's never been like a rip guy and now all of a sudden he's commissioner gordon who's also not a rip guy uh but he is <laughs> Like that doesn't make any fucking I, sense, you know? Maybe, maybe he just wanted to get ripped since he's got some money. I don't know. Maybe he's <laughs> thinking, I'm 70, 70 years old or something. I, I could do with some muscles. This is the best shape he's ever been in his entire life. Yeah, exactly. Imagine waiting until you're 70 to be like, you know what? Let me get into one of those boot cams with a personal 
a trainer to get ripped for this movie where I'm going to be wearing a trench coat. Yeah. That doesn't make any fucking sense to me. They made How him younger he? for the movie too. So, since he's got, he's redheaded in this one, as opposed to having white hair, like in justice league. But I don't know what, you know, Batgirl was not announced on that slate. So they might just drop it around December for the fuck of it and say, actually, you know, do you got to figure it out all on your own? You know, <laughs> that flash does this. Okay. All right. Um, is anyone asking for a bad girl movie? Is anyone watching the bad girl show for them to be like, there's, there's no bad girl show. Batwoman's its own thing. And that's going to be canceled soon. There's a black Joker who doesn't wear makeup. He just wears like a white suit or something and has dreads and his hair is oh. not green or anything. He just has a card. That's great. That's CW, right? <laughs> yeah. CW. CW is still going strong, nice. even though they've been completely antiquated because of HBO Max. Let's do an HBO yeah, Max Flash that's, show. Yeah, it's the where superheroes go to die because he turns into a soap, soap, soap operas. Um, the uh, yeah, I. I I, I, I'm excited to see what they do with this for the next one. I don't know how I feel about the slate of superhero movies that are coming out uh, for DC. Um, you got to watch The Sam 2. Don't, don't care. Don't care. Uh, Black Adam, don't care. Don't um, care. Those are both this year, I believe. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I, I think Black Adam's November and then Shazam is December. And then Flash is going to be June of next year. And Aquaman 2 will be... Oh, no, no, no. Flash is, I think, August or November next year. I don't know. I'm confused. Um, during Black the Adam summertime. July. July. July this year. And then December is Shazam 2. Yeah. If December Shazam 2, they're not dropping Batgirl in December, then that's going to get bumped to next year. It's hmm. just so all over the place, you know. Uh, I, I, I don't know what they're trying to do. I, I would like for them to to leave them as their own thing without having to share any characters. But I guess they haven't given up on that because of that Flashpoint thing. So now it's just going to be confusing because you're going to have different universes at the same time. They should have just kept Zack Snyder. That really was going to be the one fix-all solution is if they just said, all right, Zack Snyder's Justice League, this is this is it. This, this is all you need. Um, everything that, that continues from here on out will be an extension of this directly. But that's not what they're doing. They're gonna. I think they're eventually gonna just say, "Fuck it. Who cares about this timeline? Let's just do Matt Reeves' Batman is on his own. Let's just do Wonder Woman on her own. We'll do Aquaman on his own. As soon as Jason Momoa and Gal Gadot get bored of playing the characters, that's exactly what they'll do. Which, uh, because I know you're a huge Batman fan, which villains do you think would fit in this world that Matt Reeves has created that would work in a movie like this? So I don't know if I would like to see a, a man bat or, a, you know, a, what's the, what's this sludge guy? What's his name? Clayface? Uh, yeah. I don't know if, if, if I would like to see those, uh, the ones that you mentioned earlier as a joke, I think would be cool as like a, Hey, there's that character in Arkham, but I don't, I, I wouldn't want them to, I think someone like Hush. No, not Hush. Yeah. Hush. That's the name of the character, right? Well, they do a reference to Hush uh, because of the reporter in the movie who's killed um, something Elliot, and then Thomas Elliot is the son of that character in the comic book, and that's Hush. So I think okay. we're there. See, here's the thing also with the Joker. 
Barry Keoghan playing him in the in the not even post credit sequence, just one of the many end sequences of the film is I don't know if Matt Reeves has a real interest in doing a Joker main main villain Joker film. He might just be in there because that's going to be the extent of that character, which right. I would be fine with. I would say, you know, you want to do a trilogy of Batman films without uh, a real Joker presence. I I would be up for that. I'm good with that, especially if you're going to do if if Joker 2 happens with Joaquin Phoenix. Everybody loves that Joker. Why would you yeah. bother? Why would you want to compete? Jared Leto just put a cap on his version of that. By the way, House of Gucci. My God, what an enjoyable film that was. I had a blast yeah, with see, that movie. You see what I meant? Where at times it's like, do you guys forget to do an impression? And then he's like, what, what is this? It's just like trying to out Italian each other. Yeah. It's like a very Mario I, Waluigi. I didn't <laughs> realize everyone was doing impressions when I started that. I, I heard Lady Gaga. I was like, All right, well, maybe she's doing it. And then I heard Adam Driver. I was like, come again? What was that? Huh? Oh, oh, everyone. And then Jared Leto. And then Jared Wario with this Wario impression. Just <laughs> between Wario and Borat. Like, you don't know which which side he's going. Uh, but he was so funny. He was, the yes. best. he was my favorite part of that movie. He, he was such sticks a out loser. so much, but he's such a he's a very enjoyable character in that movie yeah. for certain. Uh, we should do an episode on House of Gucci at some point because that that yeah. exceeded my expectations as far as just general enjoyment. Like the you know it it should have been a serious movie and it wasn't. Yeah. It was yeah. just kind of um, it wasn't afraid to be sloppy and a little inconsiderate to the Gucci family or very inconsiderate to the Gucci family. I I enjoyed it a lot. So, yeah. So Jared Leto, good luck. He He's all about wearing the prosthetics now, trying to seem like an interesting guy. He's got that WeWork limited series with Anne Hathaway coming to Apple Plus, which my biggest regret in life is watching that Macbeth movie, thinking that was going to be a real movie. No, I should have trusted my instincts that nothing that winds up on Apple is a real product, is a real movie or TV show. There's no didn't reason you to post, Didn't you post something on Twitter? Twitter about like an Uber show that they're yep. doing, and that's on that, Showtime. Showtime is the other one, the other one that we work one that you're talking about. That's called like, oh, fuck, what is it called? Uh, it's We Something. Yeah, because you posted two images. I saw that you that you posted it in, on Instagram. And one of them was I don't know the mar- something market, and the other one said something about Uber with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, whose star has falling off immensely for him to be doing this now mm-hmm. um yeah just fake shows on apple tv why are they trying to do the social network 12 years later that's really what i want to know mm-hmm. you you have these two you have the elizabeth holmes series or or television movie that's coming out with um amanda seyfried playing that that woman uh, which is a good casting choice but why do we need yeah all of these like big tech, 1%, elite corruption, where it's all the same story. It's just someone gets too greedy, acts like an asshole, yeah. alienates their partners, and then fucks up the company. That's yeah. that's how every single one of those unfolds. It's not that interesting. You can't top the, the Facebook story anyway. Uh, and that's what kicked it all off. So don't well, bother. Yeah, you don't have a villainous sociopath pathic as um what's his name Zuck. um yeah so 
it, it, they're all going to pale in comparison to that one just for that reason alone that there's no other other character that's that autistic and and full in for himself not really looking forward for when they decide to do the twitter story that's that's gonna be fun who's gonna play jack dorsey uh, um uh uh fuck what's his name cousin from uh from uh christmas vacation what's his name <laughs> what, what randy quaid <laughs> yes randy quaid in his current state <laughs> with his gray beard he's gonna play jack dorsey uh i would actually i would actually want i would i i kind of want to just watch him do anything now because he's such a psycho that yeah i don't know i I feel like he falls into that category of like well not even b or c listed i don't even know if he's he should play he should play jack dorsey and then shave the beard and put on brown face and play the indian man who's now in charge (laughs) and he should do really bad like split screen him talking to himself like you can't take charge of this company and then he'll do like an indian accent like short circuit (laughs) back you know i've been thinking about this lately i have a weird sneaking suspicion and this is gonna sound like a joke but i don't mean it as a joke that uh brown facing brown face and probably asian face i don't think black face but brown face is gonna make a comeback soon i do did it ever go did it ever go away well who's doing it <laughs> wasn't there a, a controversy a couple of years ago because uh some girl played an australian or fuck what what's her the redhead from spider-man the Andrew Garfield won. Uh, Emma Stone was. Didn't she have a controversy a couple of years? She played ago? a she half played Hawaiian like, girl, so that's right. cheating. That's not really. Yeah, that's that's kind of brownish. She, but face. I mean, like, time to dress up. <laughs> People posted Willem like, Dafoe recently like, and have like had Othello. a blast with that. Yes, you want Othello brown face? All right. Well, I mean, oh yeah, that Willem Dafoe where he's Mexican. That ain't that, that long great. ago. That's not that long ago. Johnny Depp, which I just realized this character is a white man in the movie. This is a 2022 film. It's on Yiffy right now if anyone wants to take a look at it. The director yeah. originally disavowed the movie. He he finished it in 2020, pulled it, and said, we're never releasing this. Because Johnny Depp's abuse allegations that were all disproven. They mm-hmm. all found out Amber Heard, like many of these women, is just a crazy bitch. She just fucking lied. She's a psycho because that's just how a lot of those women are. Sorry, it's the truth. They love to lie. Uh, Johnny Depp's innocent. He's just a poor 60-year-old with half a finger. (laughs) (laughs) Literally half a finger, Johnny Depp. (laughs) Trying to endure his alcoholism. Shit in the bed. All shit in the bed, Johnny Depp. Getting taken to court over lies. Anyway, they're going to put this woman in jail. Yeah, he should sue like Marilyn Manson, who's doing everyone that said he did creepy <laughs> shit. And he's like, really? Hmm. Nice try, I guess. That's <laughs> a so Hail Mary. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's, uh, you know, this was all. Well, uh, whenever, um, whenever, whenever it seems like there's, you know, they really want to staple someone to the wall, they'll bring out the HBO documentary. And that's what they're doing with Manson. Uh, they, they did it with Michael Jackson first, and then they did it with Woody Allen. They're like, anyone who's a big oh, pop culture figure, we're going after them. But you can't 
first of all, you can't trust a documentary. You can't even trust a reliable documentary about a neutral enough subject. Um, second of all, you, you can't trust HBO, which has turned itself into this little propaganda unit where they're funding specials for Pod Save America. And oh. yeah, they, they, they're stick special. Do you watch that? Fuck no. Why would I ever watch that? <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. sorry. I don't, I, I, I'm, if it's, if it's on HBO Max, it has anything to do with like social politics or current events, anything really. It's a fucking lie. It's a lie yeah. or it's a scam. It's, it, it, so, there's a problem there. Okay. Propaganda. Yeah. Right. So that that's all it comes down to. So disregard that. Uh, let the courts handle it. Don't even think about it. Go enjoy. What was this hit from 2000 to 1999? Beautiful the beautiful. Go, go crank the beautiful people Dope from your show, balcony. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I was never a fan. I always thought he was kind of. He's cringe. He fucking stinks. Yeah. I, I hate yeah. Marilyn Manson. He sucks. Big old mopey face. Big moon face oh. Manson. He played the Riddler on the Batman TV show. I oh, believe yeah. for WB kids. Was that the one after the animated series? Mm-hmm. Which uh, I hate. I think season, season like four or five or something that they renamed it. They named uh, it the Batman and friends or something. And uh, Marley Manson fans are always, <laughs> they always have like a, their own distinctive smell. Too. <laughs> I've, I've met, <laughs> I've met some, uh, like weird fat goths and it's always like oh yeah they're yep that's uh that's the fan base that's the the guy with the clowns uh, cloud of stinks around in them oh because, yeah uh, do you think he did it where you think he did all that bad stuff i'm i'm sure he did some stuff because he has to live up to his image right of mm. like yeah i think i'm creepy <laughs> fucking satan yeah. maybe but i don't know i mean i mean it's easy to believe just because that's his image right Right? But at the same time, if he did, oh, fucking cornball. <laughs> like, how fucking, what a, how corny, you know, that he's, he was actually that. that. Like, that's who he really was in his private life. That, that right. shit sucks. At least Ted yeah. Bundy had the decency to dress in a suit and comb his right. hair, you know? Yeah. But here's what I'd say. I'd say it's pro- it's probably mostly true. However, what's probably also mostly true is she said... Yeah, I guess I'll do that. And then later was like, I can't believe I did that. What did yeah. what did I do? I ate a dirty tampon out of my own pussy on camera. I can't believe I did that. I must have been manipulated. Yeah. I was I manipulated. Can't believe he forced me to kill all those chickens and suck the blood of the snake. I don't I don't understand how my state of mind. I was being so controlled by this man that uh, I let him put utensils inside of my asshole <laughs> because did i because did it I, was tuesday <laughs> did i really allow myself to get fucked by a, a, a plastic skeleton with a strap on no <laughs> i couldn't have allowed this i couldn't have i couldn't have dared think to do that on my own i was forced yeah that's forced manipulated that's probably what this is all about it's just a little embarrassment and a dying career and a lack of purpose in life yeah, he, he probably did it though. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. Well, what what is she saying? What did, what happened here? What I happened? Know. I don't even know. Let me see. 
Justice for Johnny. That's what I say. Let's call, let's not get distracted from the fact that Johnny Depp's movie is nominated for fan favorite Academy Award this year, even though even though it was finished in 2020 and released in 2022. The Academy doesn't seem to care about that, but they also said Zack Snyder's Justice League. You know, the movie with the most overall engagement on HBO Max for the year 2021. No, we can't do that. We can't allow that. And good for, for all those Snyder fans who are pushing for Army of the Dead, a big old piece of shit movie to win just because it's Zack Snyder. I fully endorse that Army of the Dead fan favorite Academy Award 2022. I love it. I put my stamp of approval. It's it's in the lead. But what is it, fan? What, what the fan favorite Academy Award? That Johnny Depp movie, because of all the justice for Johnny people, that's currently in the roster of nominees at the moment. Um, Which movie? I forget the name. I, I, you know, I saved the graphic. I'll, I'll see if I still have it on my phone. But oh, there are wow, ten that's fucking racist. I can't <laughs> vote on this because I'm not in the states. That's oh, cool. well, Oscars. Sorry. Wow. Wow. Hate to break okay. it to you. It's just like bonfire <laughs> legend releases. You're not allowed. America only. America first. Yeah. America first. America <laughs> first. Uh, let's see. Tick, tick, boom. It's number five. Waste. Uh, it's nominated for best. That Dune got in the mix, and there's no reason. It's a total waste. Spider-Man, Cinderella, and Army of the Dead are the ones, the top three. Well, are you looking at the alphabetical order, or are you looking at... Um... An article that says what the primary it says they're the, they're the leading uh, movies leading the Oscars tweeted a vote for a fan favorite award ranked according to exclusive social data from Business Insider. Uh, so number one is yeah, Army of the that would be who would that's not Sack though he's not going to go and accept it though right hell yeah he's going to go and accept it he said thank you guys see he doesn't discourage these people <laughs> a lot of people would be like. Hey, listen, I appreciate it, but, you know, they're modest. Zach goes, that's great, guys. Thank you. About time. Yes. Let's... <laughs> About time to be recognized. Yeah. By the people that actually matter, the fans, or something like that. The speech. Like, do you th- think he would be brave enough to say something like that against the Academy? I mean, they don't have any love for him, really. Like, why would he? He will speech? never get an Oscar, probably otherwise, unless it's through this means. Um but it would be great if just like every year there's a fan favorite vote. They just force Zack Snyder to win because there's such a fervent army. That would be so good. Um, I'm all he for that. He to release one movie, any movie every year, and he'll win an Oscar. Mm-hmm. You got fucking Zack Snyder 2030. He's won 10 Oscars. Biggest Oscar winner director in the Hell history yeah. of the Oscars. <laughs> Pull up the... Uh, did you figure out what the Johnny Depp movie was? Because here's what I learned. I thought he was originally in yellow face for this film because he's the only white actor and he plays a photographer in Japan during the mid-20th century. But um, it's... I mean, I mean it is, but it's not. And this is he's playing an actual man who's a white man and looks nothing like what he looks like in that film. He chose to look like an Asian, like a Japanese man for the film. Oh, that's him? That's him. Because I saw that was, oh, shit, that is him. And it looks like a... Uh, What's the name of the movie? It's Minamata. Minamata? Mina Mata? Yeah. Uh, let me see. Uh, where is this? 
All right, we're taking a look this. at Johnny Depp here. Ah, uh, yes. That's... Um, Is he supposed to be an agent? That's Akira Kurosawa right there. So it was weighed down by self-important direction that loses the human beings in this story by prioritizing the headlines. Roger Ebert. Okay, seventy-seven percent. It's about a an American photographer living in Japan during um, maybe was it World War Two or what was was what what year years does it does it take place? Uh, nineteen seventy-one. Okay. Um. So what? What's so the that's who he's, he's supposed to be playing this guy? Yeah. Oh, right? Oh, well. Not quite. Mm, no. A lot more Asian looking. <laughs> Why does he look Asian? Because he, he probably said, I want to look Japanese for this film. That's literally probably what he said. Because I know from Tusk that he said, okay, I have a makeup person. I have a look I want to do for this character. Uh, is that a problem with you? What and, the fuck? You know, <laughs> yeah, that's not an interracial couple. Whoa, now he kind of looks blackish there, don't he? He looks like an old black man. He looks like Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I mean, good for him. Go, go for it, I guess. Uh, he looks Arab here. How does he have like five wow. different ethnicities in this movie? Amazing. Truly one no of the greatest actors of our time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeffrey so Wright. I haven't seen that. Probably not going to see that. Either. I'm going to watch it maybe tonight, I think. I have a copy of it downloaded. So we'll see. Jeffrey uh, Wright? Jeffrey Wright. I was complaining about him a little bit on Twitter in jest, but it's true. He's completely... I won't say he's wasted his Gordon because he has good screen time. And I like the dynamic that him and Batman have in place of a Robin character where it seems like they're yeah. buddy cops, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, I quite like that. But this is the dumbest incarnation of Commissioner Gordon since the Pat Hengel one in like Batman and Robin where he's under Poison Ivy's spell. And he's like, Batman, I just, uh, I don't know what's going on here today. She's just a beautiful woman. I guess she's robbing the bank. Oh, I don't even want to stop her from robbing the bank. She's just so gorgeous, you know? You know, that's the kind of level of intelligence we're dealing with with this Jeffrey Wright Gordon, where he's just like a riddle. Batman, what's that? What does it mean? I can't a, figure a out. with like wings. <laughs> Me and my team of 10 Mexican cops. <laughs> Every cop was Puerto Rican. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't figure out what's happening. We need Batman to pace around this room to just tell me what the riddle is. Did uh, you like how yeah. the first commissioner was this big, so like, soy boy beard, quartering figure with his disgusting skin? And a high-pitched voice. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, a lot of these cops in, like, Higher-ups in the police force had weird high-pitched voices and show up for one or two scenes and walk off. That's so. what that was. I was a little bit worried when that guy showed up because he was so cartoonish uh, that filled completely out of place with what they had set up at the time. I think it was only like 15, 20 minutes in. Uh, but then when they brought him out, I was like, oh, guy, mm, oh, all right. So forgot superheroes, silly. Okay, cartoonish characters, this guy. And then he gets killed, right? Well, the, uh, the the fat one gets killed. Yeah. The other one does not. He's just kind of uh, 
pushed to the side. He's not relevant to All the right. story, really. The little so, one, the short one. Mm-hmm. They should have had Chief O'Hara, the Irish cop with a big, shiny, red, alcoholic nose from the 1960s Batman. With thick Irish accent. That would have been good. What? What's the fat detective from the... Bullock. From the, yeah, yeah. They could have had That's Bullock. They could have had Flass, but like a, like a comic-accurate Flass. He would have fit in just fine with this police department. They didn't choose, choose to do that. So I, I, I really thought that Jeffrey Wright's Gordon was played as stupid. He was kind of an audience surrogate. Uh, like I said on Twitter, just for the lowest IQ members of the audience who don't get things and need them repeated or explained, that's what Gordon's role was. Just like, the wait, the Riddler's leaving riddles, Batman? What? Why? What is What is this? What is the idea of this? Is he leaving clues? Is this going to... What is a thumb drive? Drive? Yeah, he has a team of like 10 people dusting for prints and, and then Batman just shows up and he's like, oh, there's a letter right under this thing that no one saw. There's a lot or of conveniences a- too in this movie. <laughs> like um, not with Gordon, but with the Riddler and bring him into the light. Like we're just supposed to know that Edward Nashton lives right next door to the, the nightclub that the Penguin hosts and he's going to bring him out right there. But he knows he's going to bring him out right there. He's got the sniper rifle ready to go. And then he yeah. dies. By the way, John Turturro is great in this movie. Uh, yeah. He's maybe too good for this movie, as a matter of fact. I, I don't know. I really enjoyed this version of Carmine Falcone compared to Tom Wilkins, which I know you were, were over the moon with. You know, you thought he was as Italian as it gets. Authentic Italian. Yeah. Um, just about as authentic as Papa John's pizza, maybe. <laughs> Um, but yeah. uh, Tom Wilkinson, what did he do? He dyed his hair white and showed up in a white suit and started talking with like a New York accent. Fucking sucked. Worst career performance for, t- for Tom <laughs> Wilkinson. Um, yeah, he was very understated, but still felt threatening, uh, even though he's not a very imposing figure, uh, Torturo, but he's mm-hmm. always great. But he's he's, yeah, he's very understated, very... Uh, what you expect from that type of character, really, uh, where they're never stressed, like everything is always in control. They know that they're always in control with everything. Even when he has like a his daughter pointing a gun at him, he's still not, you know, uh, um, focused on what he's supposed to be doing or threatened really that much. Uh, yeah, he was great. He was a, a I, I, I honestly decided to uh, watch as little as possible as I could with this movie. I feel like that's the best um, strategy moving forward when it comes to movies like this because they those trailers reveal too much. So I didn't even know that he was in this. Uh, and it was a yeah, pleasant surprise. He was really good in it, which I guess you expect from that caliber of actor. Mm-hmm. Um, Barton Fink guy yeah well he does something with this character that i like you know you don't get in any of the nolan films with the mafia characters or even the burton films which is he's able to be carmine falcone in this like you know mob boss character but also there's some scenes where he's just kind of lingering and chewing the scenery a little bit where he's uh, got a good creepy like eerie just air to him um with, with like his like wispy older man smoker voice uh, talking to Bruce Wayne or or you know, speaking to his daughter. So they they decide to make him. And maybe this is part of uh, the Long Halloween or or one of those Jeff Loeb Tim Sale graphic novels. Maybe it's in Cat Catwoman uh, went in Rome. They decide to make him 
the father of Selena Kyle, who is the the daughter of a disregarded uh, showgirl, basically at one of these clubs. And uh, he's got like a strangling fetish, I guess you can assume, because that's his go-to way for killing women. He enjoys that quite a bit. Uh, so I, I think Carmine Falcone's character here is like a good, I mean, do you think he kind of, uh, usurps the Riddler a bit as a primary villain since we get more of him in, uh, action and, and just in the general unfolding of that third act than we do the Riddler? Well, I think the, uh, one of the, the, the things that worked really well with him is that even though he's supposed to be this threatening figure, the the one that's pulling the strings and doing everything, uh, he seems friendly at times too. Like he seems like he's either trying to fool Bruce or he might actually care for him because of the relationship that he had with his dad. So he he didn't always feel to me like a like a villain that was there to to mess everything up. Even though you know, if you're familiar with the character, you kind of know who he is. Uh, so I don't know if he took away from the Riddler. I, 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 like I said, I really didn't really care much for his storyline with his daughter or whatever. But uh, I liked it. I liked him as like a like a little bit of a side quest story thing, mm-hmm. uh, and definitely brought it. But <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, I don't know if if I, I agree with with that that he took some attention away from the Riddler because. Uh, the way that they handle Riddler by not making him a physical figure, I think works really well with having Carmine be the physical figure, you know, mm-hmm. and the Riddler more of like the the guy that's hiding, the guy that's clever, but it's not going to have anyone kill you, I guess, until until the end where we where we find out that he has his little band of, of Riddlers uh, with shotguns. But before that... He feels like a peripheral, uh, peripheral uh, character that is just uh, handling everything from a distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, they di- they didn't clash for me. I guess they felt like two separate entities. That at the end, I guess they were kind of related with how everything unfolds. Well, I, I don't think they clashed, but I think we got so much of the Carmine Falcone plot and the direct action that kind of ends with him, and that's ending part one. Uh, that it makes it feel like he was the primary villain and the Riddler is just kind of like a little too detached from everything. And maybe that's what they felt uh, by the time they got to that point when he was scripting that. And it's why there's such an explosive Mm. grand finale uh, that does not go with everything else. And I'll tell you another thing that I really didn't like uh, about the ending is you got a lot of shoehorned Easter eggs in, in that last 35 minutes that aren't really i mean with the venom thing where batman injects himself at the last minute unless you're a comic book nerd right you're like what would huh why what is that is that steroids why is that neon what is he doing do they explain that that? no that's from the rest uh what's it called the the thing that he baits himself in it's bane's juice that makes them all oh is that what that was i didn't fucking know what it was i thought it was like a adrenaline or something i was like oh that's weird why is he injecting okay cool i guess see that that's a good assumption to lead with it it's adrenaline it's not it's venom because it glows green so in the 90s right because bane is introduced i think in the late 80s early 90s and then the nightfall story arc is 1993 i believe and batman's out of commission for comic books for a good year or two maybe not two years maybe about a year Uh, and you have that asriel character take over 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, they decided to do a short story arc about Batman getting addicted to Venom, which is the the steroid that Bane uses uh, that that jacks him up. And that's what I got from from that, and what a lot of comic book fans seem to have uh, garnered from that quick moment where he takes a, a couple of shotgun pellets to the vest, uh, to the chest, <clears throat> and uh, you know is is getting knocked out from it. It needs that Didn't to rebound. Wasn't even familiar with the fact that Batman was addicted to that. It's a pretty pretty good uh, image of him, just crazy, <laughs> crazy drugged up Batman. Is that Nick Mullen, Batman? <laughs> yeah, just high, high on on something. That's cool, though. I, I, I mean, that completely went over my head, um, and I. Yeah, didn't didn't even connect it to to the venom, but it makes sense. I wish they had uh, mentioned it maybe at some point, mm-hmm. or at least I don't know. Mentioned maybe there's the file that uh, Alfred has on this Bane guy that, or the character's name that's experimenting with this thing or anything. Because yeah, that that I would have never guessed if you didn't tell me that right now. I even forgot that he did that because I thought, oh. Uh, a Pulp Fiction. That's what happened. You know, <laughs> he he injected himself with adrenaline. He's fine now. Uh, the other thing, thing, the other thing was the mention of Bloodhaven, which is a uh, neighboring city in the comic books that I think is introduced in the '90s as well during the No Man's Land arc, which happened for quite a period. That's kind of what they set up here with this ending, where you have parts of Gotham that are suddenly off limits to the rest of the yeah. city because of the flood. Uh, is is the No Man's uh, Land? area where there's just villains that take it over and that seems to be what they're getting at with the penguin uh inheriting carmine falcone's you know spot in his club looking out at the city maybe that's what the 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 series will be about i heard originally it was going to be a prequel series to this but i mean we'll see um so a lot of things like that where it's just like to appease the comic book fan audience i didn't like that i i don't mind it but maybe if it was a little more uh seamless you know I, yeah. I i don't know hearing someone say bloodhaven it was zoe kravitz's cow woman saying bloodhaven out maybe i'll go to bloodhaven that sounded a little mm. hey guys hey yeah, remember yeah. that thing sounds familiar hey i might go to uh arkham asylum yeah. <laughs> <laughs> familiar with what that is hey let me tell you <laughs> uh or even just something at the, at the beginning if we saw robert pattinson's batman because obviously he's a skinny guy he's out doing you know combat on a pretty regular basis he's you know if he's just using this shit casually then that would have been like a good you know later on but whatever it is what it is um it's not a perfect movie it's certainly not the worst but i mean i've done a lot of griping about that last section of the movie but i really enjoyed the batman film i think actually this this movie probably has the uh, i don't know if it's the best but it's certainly the best since elfman in 89 and returns the music in this movie really elevates it i i think the repetition of the score works so well using the nirvana track doesn't feel uh too too out of uh that you know a lot of people are are divisive on um whether or not you want to use pop pop music in films i don't think it's a bad thing for the most part what do you think well 
Well, you're a Snyder fan. You can't think it's a bad thing. He does that. He did Hallelujah every, every film. Yeah. He slows slows down a pop song and has a, a lady sing it. Uh, yeah, I I really got it. Really got me pumped that. Dun, 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 that was yeah. cool. Uh, yeah, and, he, and how he repeated it whenever the there was an intense scene or, or something about to be re, uh, revealed. It definitely elevated everything I'm, I'm i was listening to it earlier today actually just because uh, as i was cleaning my room uh so that's that's what i was doing with that soundtrack were you thinking uh, yourself then... i'm the dark knight as you're putting your socks away you just find yeah. socks under your bed putting trying to move a table but i can't uh but uh, <laughs> just like batman yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of using pop songs either, but this one, and I, I don't like Nirvana at all. Like, I'm not, I'm not a fan. Uh, not that I don't like them. I just, I never really got into into grunge or anything. Uh, and then when this uh, came up, this song came up, I was like, oh, this fits perfectly for this scene. I, I, do you remember Shazam? I Shazammed it. So I was like, who's this? I want to see, I want to hear more of this. And it was Nirvana. And I was like, oh, that's all right. Is Shazam out of fashion now? I use Shazam all the time when I'm listening to the okay. radio. I don't hear anyone talking about it anymore. So this is just a 2016 of me or whatever. Yeah, that, people just, just know every on. song nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but I, I didn't mind it. I think for that corny scene <laughs> that they were trying to make him into a the hero that he wasn't for the rest of the movie. Uh, that song fit really well. The the score definitely uh, elevated this movie a lot. Um, don't know if uh, it would have felt as intense as it did without it, you know? Mm. Or would no, it this is definitely, I think, a, a, an instance where this probably would have been... I give this movie probably a B-plus overall. And without that score set in the mood for every single scene, it, it would probably be more like a C it, or mm. B-minus, maybe. Um, I, I think it... You know, it, it, the music can really make or break a scene or a movie. Yeah. It's one of the most important things and shouldn't be undervalued or, or overlooked if you're someone who works in film. Um, it's extremely important to get the music and the sound design right. And I think that they knocked it out of the park with that and with the general atmosphere of, of this film. So I, I enjoyed three-fourths of Batman. Um, the Batman, excuse me. There's only one Batman movie. There's Batman the movie, Batman, and now the Batman. Um, yeah. Do you think it would have been better if this movie never happened and instead we got... Ben Affleck's directed The Batman, starring Ben Affleck as the Batman and Joe Manganiello as Deathstroke, because that's apparently what the idea was. I I don't hate Ben Affleck as a Batman. Uh, I think you might be surprised by this, but I think I would have enjoyed that too. Wow. <laughs> if, if they were, let's say they're uh, carrying it like they're doing with The Flash. Uh, if they had done, um, and what I mean by doing it with the Flash is like they're still carrying that timeline. If they had done just a Batman movie that's not connected to anything with Ben Affleck, I, I would have been interested in seeing what they do with that. Uh, there's so many Batman stories and so many different uh, versions of Batman that I feel like you can have different um, versions of Bruce uh, that could work instead of just having one. 
Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be completely opposed to that. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad that this movie went fucking uncool. Fucking been fighting with a mosquito for like oh. ten minutes. My legs are fucking. Ah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I turned. Yeah. You see, I turned turned Spanish there because I'm pissed. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I I I, I like Ben Affleck as, as Batman, and he's sad, broody Bruce. I think would have been interested. Broody uh, Bruce. I, th- I think we uh, we we talked about. Um, I don't know, like maybe fifty, forty episodes behind about a, a bat. And then, um, what's the future Batman called? Batman Beyond. Uh, yeah. So I, I Ben Affleck as like that Bruce, maybe not as old as that Bruce is. Yeah. Why not? Like a, a thicker, like a bigger Batman, like he did in, the, in that Snyder uh, series. I I wouldn't mind it, but unfortunately, that's that's done with. So I don't know. I enjoy this very much. I like I, I uh, like the fact that it exists. I don't know what the dc universe or the dc movies would look like now if everything went well for Zack snyder uh, i'm not sure if it would be better or worse but it's kind of just messy uh and i i wouldn't mind seeing another uh superhero being handled by Zack snyder because i i feel like the one thing that i appreciate from him well not the one thing but the main thing that i appreciate from him is that he's kind of a psycho and he goes all in uh, yeah. and that's that's i that's uh, i admire that a lot so hopefully this doesn't turn his career into just doing sucker punch type shit uh, because uh, I, I don't know how excited i would be about that i didn't like army of the dead so hopefully that's not the direction that he's going um so yeah i i wouldn't mind seeing a an affleck i, I have a friend in mexico actually that's a huge ben affleck fan uh, and he messaged me immediately after watching this, and he was like, "Yeah, it was good, but he's not." It wasn't Affleck, Ben Affleck so. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we'll Affleck, but... we'll probably cover some Ben Affleck's work very soon because there's a movie, 2022 film coming out straight to Hulu this week with him in Ana de Armas. That's uh, an erotic thriller from Adrian yeah. Lyne. I think it's just called Dark Water. I think I, the trailer looks good. And I trust Adrian. I would like to cover this show for a future episode of movies. But here's what I learned. You want to just look up the uh, the poster. Sorry, it's not even a poster. It's the video store cover of Lolita 1997 with Jeremy Irons, Adrian Lyne, Lolita. Um, you know, I was, I was kind of thinking, as you do that, just so talking about Ben Affleck and Batman. Uh, I, I think I'm content with... Or you this, find the what? The Lolita what? Lolita 1997. That's the all you're going to do. Post, to put in poster afterward. It'll, it'll probably come up. Here's what I, I saw recently, because I was looking into this movie. Uh, Adrian Lyne, who's a great director from the late 20th century, came out of retirement and directed this film, which has been done for a little bit. And Hulu acquired it. Hulu's been dropping a bunch of uh, random movies lately that are mid-budget uh, I'll point you in the right direction. Let's go to image. So I found this uh, this poster and something was very peculiar about it. Uh, no, it's none of these. Gee whiz. Wait a minute. Hold on. Stop. Okay, you see where there's a thumbnail with a guy in a beanie? Go to the left of that. No, no, no. This is the same image. It's not what I'm looking for, though. A uh, little lower. Same image right there. No, no, no. That's the Chinese po. Hey, oh, oh, hold on. Is that the VHS cover right there? 
Yeah, that's what we want to pull. Nope, that's not it either. God damn it. How about this, Hans? How about I just send you what I want to pull up? Because it doesn't seem like it's coming to us very easily right now. So uh, for those of you who are just listening to the audio of this, this is why you should sign up at patreon.com slash lowres, because we're currently on an adventure at the moment um, and, and looking for a specific image related to this Lolita remake, or sorry, readaption, readaptation from Adrian Lyon, the master of the erotic thriller. I just sent it to you on Facebook, Hans, if you want to figure out a way to pull that up. Yeah, all right. I saved this on my phone. I was going to uh, post it, but then I was like, well, people get why I'm posting this, or are they just going to think? <laughs> I don't know. So I, I, maybe I'll just forego that. So this was a little interesting thing I uh, I came across as I was looking into the work of this director. And this was one of his last films before he did, um, God, what was the Diane Lane, Richard Gere movie where she sleeps with a Hispanic Faithful? man? Faithful, which is a good movie. Un- Unfaithful. Unfaithful. <clears throat> yeah. That was his last movie. Cox him. Cox him, and then he freaks the fuck out and bashes. Much like the Riddler in the Batman movie, he cracks him over the head. Now, what is that first? What are the laurels around first there for for Lolita on DVD, 1997? Best kiss. Best kiss. Oh. This won a best kiss award between an old man and a young woman. That's cool. MTV Movie Award. <laughs> Best Kiss. Can I find Lolita. that? Uh, can I find a clip of that? Let's see. Uh... So this this was nominated for, for, for that. And not only was it nominated for that, when they put it on DVD, they said, why don't we put that on the cover? Yeah. On this movie. Forbidden love, an unthinkable attraction. <laughs> the ultimate price. You have 55-year-old Jeremy Irons falling in love with a 12-year-old girl. MTV oh, best kiss. Man, I can't I can't find a video of it. That that would be so funny to watch of him them just picking off the what surfboard or whatever the no, the moon man, is it? <laughs> God damn. What a time. What a time it was before 2010. People would call it the wild, wild west. No, it was just normal times. Remember when you could just be a little reckless? Remember when you could just be a little reckless? You know? Anyway. And introducing Dominique Swain, a 12-year-old girl who kissed Jeremy Irons on the the lips. You know, they also... They also nominated a free Willy as a kiss between the kid and the <laughs> fucking whale. <laughs> wow, MTV. Yeah. Good, Good sense of days. humor. Yes. Really enjoy that rambunctious sense of humor at MTV in the 90s. That's fucking great. Er- hold on. Uh... Wait, hold, hold on. Who's the critic who said erotic? What? Fine. Is it a man? If it's a man, if it's a man, especially, I mean, look, gender doesn't matter here. But if it's oh, a man, here? especially, it says people, people magazine. Oh, how convenient! Remove the name of the people magazine. Says the story of pedophilia is erotic. Typical. Let me see who typical. Typical Hollywood. Typical press. Weird. It doesn't exist on the internet. That review. That's weird. Wonder that why. Weird. Hmm. Very strange. 
Well, uh, um, there, there was also, hold on before we, I'm, I'm assuming we're going to go soon, but uh, a very Brady sequel was also nominated for Best Kiss between the eldest brother and the sister. <laughs> okay, so we've got uh, Pedophilia, Incest, and Bestiality for MTV yep. Movie Awards Best Kiss. What a year. Strong year for kissing. Uh, I would say that, uh, you know, I think it's time to get a Mad Hatter style Joker film where it's essentially just a Lolita remake, you know, because that's his whole thing, wasn't it? Is kidnapping blonde girls and dressing them up. You know, you could do it that way. That that character's never been adapted. That was a that was like a hallmark Batman villain. You could do that. My God, Cape Fear, Robert De Niro and Juliette Lewis nominated Ooh. for Best Kiss. That's <laughs> another one. Yeah. Who was, who, who was running MTV at this time? <laughs> Dan Schneider was running MTV at this time. No, I just, you know what? I just realized that I didn't realize until just now. It says MTV Movie Awards Best Kiss nominated. Oh, it, it didn't, didn't even win. win. Why would you put this on the cover? It didn't even win. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, there's a scene here where they kiss and hey, that was nominated for, the, for an MTV Movie Awards. God damn. So uh that's he's coming out of retirement. You got Alfred there. Is Jeremy Irons a better Alfred than Andy Serkis? I think Andy Serkis was underutilized in this. Mm-hmm. Um I think he was good when he was on screen, even if he sounded like poor British and not like fancy British most of the time. Oh, he's uh, a he kind of re- he kind of reminded me of the character that he played in Black Panther uh, for a little bit. You know, that villain. I don't know if you remember. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would. I don't. I'm not a huge Jeremy Irons fan. Uh, I don't like his face. No, I don't. Actually, <laughs> Jeremy Irons might be my least favorite Alfred of any Alfred because he's just like a snarky old man. Yeah. It's like, who wants that Alfred? You know, you want yeah. the you want gentle Alfred who's going to go fetch the iced tea tray. You know, who, who's going to help you quench your thirst and not go, you know, you could just get up and do that on your own. You're a 50 year old man, right. Bruce. Yeah. You don't like, why are you here then? Then yeah. you're, you're an old man that lives, an old man that lives with an old man. That's, that's <laughs> peculiar in a huge mansion. All right. You're not even going to help me or anything. Great. Cool. <laughs> we're, we're buddies living in my mansion. Mm-hmm. Andy Serkis wasn't bad, but he didn't feel like Alfred. That's my thing. He just felt a little too young, a little too uh, snappy. Yeah. You know, he's too close in age, maybe twenty years apart. You need like an el- like an elder Alfred. Michael Caine, of course, is terrific as Alfred. Pat Hingle, no, wait, Michael Gaw Goff, excuse me, was a good Alfred. I don't know, Andy Serkis. He's got some ways to go. He's got some some age to add on him. Uh, is there yeah. anyone else we we've forgotten from the Batman who we haven't talked about? Uh, let me see. I don't think so. Southcast, Paul Downey, Colin Farrell, Larry Keating. No, that's pretty much it. Jeffrey Wright, Zoe Kravitz. What we did about? talk about Zoe Kravitz a little bit, but I don't know if we really went into full detail on her. I enjoyed her as Catwoman. You know, yeah. I, let's not even talk about the one line that uh, you know we Everyone all know. Pointing out, yeah. yeah, I audibly groaned in the theater. I literally did a very dramatic. Uh, <laughs> my head bagging it. Ugh. 
Yeah, I went, ugh. <laughs> White privilege. Oh, why'd you say? We almost went a whole privilege. show without oh, even really bringing it up. It's, that that was whatever. Um, you know, black woman who steals. Of course, you'd be talking about white privilege, please. Um, you They're know, Italian, too. They're not white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I uh, Unnecessary. Uh, I, I uh, if that wasn't added, I don't think it would have added or subtracted anything from the movie, other than people that get upset by shit like this wouldn't be upset. But right. I don't think it, it felt accomplished... it felt like bait. It felt like needless yeah. bait. Like they didn't even really yeah. care or want it. I mean, she's just a problem in general, Zoe Kravitz. Now she's saying, you know, I was denied an audition because I was told no blacks allowed for Dark Knight Rises when she wanted to do uh, Catwoman for that film. It's also like, who the fuck were you in 2012? Yeah. You were just some some famous lady's daughter, some, Lenny yeah. Kravitz's daughter. Lenny Kravitz, yeah. Because who's thinking about Lisa Bonet in any sort of, uh, you know, ooh, ooh, remember Lisa Bonet, sexy Lisa Bonet sense? No, it's just like, remember that heroin addict who got kicked off the Cosby show? Yeah, I because you Because you wanted to shoot a sex scene on a movie, a voodoo movie. Yeah. Did she get fired? You know, I think, she, you know, she got fired because of the heroin, but it obviously didn't help that she did, uh, not Year of the Dragon, what, Angel Heart. She did Angel Heart with Mickey Is, Rourke. No, but there's a movie, there's like a movie where she, what's this fucking movie called? Where uh, it's like a voodoo related movie that she shot in the middle of Cosby Show. And there's a like a two minute sex scene where you see her titties and everything. And I think that didn't really play well for Mr. Cosby. Uh, because no, he, she was still the daughter. Mm-hmm. You see, it's called, uh, 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 dead connection. No, I'm not all that familiar with her work beyond the Cosby show, to be honest with you. So I just remember she played Mickey Rourke's uh, daughter, in Angel Heart, spoilers for that film, kind of ruins the whole film for you if you never saw Angel Heart. But Angel Heart is just the same movie as Shutter Island. Oh, oh yeah, that's the one. Yeah, oh, it was. Angel ha- Heart. Yeah, where she's having like a weird exorcism type of thing, and her titties are out and everything. Uh, yeah, Mr. Cosby didn't like that because no. this was 80, 87. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I don't know if that it was that or the heroin or both uh, that got her fired, but it was yeah. certainly the heroin. But I mean, I that did not help. I think that started to piss off Cosby and company because they wanted a nice family image for the show. Uh, yeah. But Zoe Kravitz is, you know, as an actress, you know, she's good in Kimmy. She's good in this movie. I, I had like uh, when she was originally announced as Catwoman, I had very low expectations because I just wasn't familiar with her outside of um, a couple of like early or late aughts early 2010s roles that were like, didn't really give you a sense of who she could become as an actress, but I think she, she carried away here. She was certainly better than Anne Hathaway in dark Knight rises. Uh, I, I would say best Catwoman since Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, but Michelle Pfeiffer is definitely better in my opinion. Yeah. I think the only thing I've ever, I've ever seen her on is uh Matt Max. Right. Yeah, that might be it. Ali, uh, Adam Green's Aladdin. I don't even know what that is. But yeah, she was she was she was fine. She was fine playing that role. That line was kind of cringe. But besides that, uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't think anyone was bad in this other than that Italian cop that that we talked about from the beginning. Uh, they all played the role how they were supposed to, and um, I don't feel like any of them were cartoonish or unrealistic to exist in the world that was set up by the director. So the only one I fe- yeah. I felt that was acting poorly was Paul Dano when he was in Arkham Asylum. Okay, as well. Nashton, that was about it. Everyone else did did well. How long do you think that scene took to shoot for them to get like eight minutes of it? Because that scene is feels like ten minutes, maybe eight mm-hmm. minutes. And for them to get that, I'm assuming they shot for for a while with him just losing it <laughs> with pudgy face. Oh God, I, I I I wouldn't even begin to assume, you know, what it would take to rev up Paul Dano to muster such energy. Uh, I I don't know. I where would you rank this movie as far as Batman movies go? What can you what can you you know? We'll, we'll keep it kind of simple here. What would you say that this movie is definitely better than as far as the theatrical Batman outings? Uh, better than the Schumacher ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, That's not saying you, much. That's the lowest. Of you're bars. not gonna you're not gonna like this, but Wait, I Batman vs Superman. Wow. Yeah, I enjoy this better than Batman or Superman. Uh, I don't like it better than the Burton ones because I feel like those two have so much personality by themselves that even if uh, if they might not fit the modern idea of Batman, I guess, or the modern construction of what the Batman universe is, those two work so well on their own as like a product of its time and how those properties were handled when they came out that I, I don't think it's fair to compare those two to, to modern Batman movies for that same reason, but those two are still my favorite. Um, I think it would be middle, like in between uh, the second Nolan movie and the, I actually like Batman Begins better than the third one. So I would say uh, Batman 89 first, then Batman Returns second, uh dark knight right right no which one's the second one dark knight dark knight just dark knight's the second yeah one. okay and then this one will be fourth i think mm. um yeah and then after that Batman begins and then batman v superman <laughs> before dark knight rises now if we're not if we're not counting joker we're not counting justice league uh, which I guess yeah. I won't. Whatever just has Batman or something Batman adjacent in the title. I got Batman 89, I think is the best. Then I got Batman v Superman. Then I got Batman Returns. And Dark Knight, I enjoy as a movie, maybe more than Dark Knight Rises, but I think Dark Knight Rises is a better Batman movie. Mm-hmm. So interchange either of those. And then this would be number six in that lineup. Okay. So it's right what you said, even Steven in the middle, I think it does the good elements of Batman begins much better mm-hmm. and touches on a tone that's closer to the Burton films and the Joker film, um, yeah. which are big highlights. And uh, it's a, it's a good film. It's probably one of the better or most well-rounded Batman features that there is. Uh, I'm looking forward to eventually throwing it on HBO max and just observing a lot of the yeah. scenery again and all that. So uh, I, I'll, I'll show up at the theater for the next one. I have low expectations, though, because I think we're going to go in more of a direction for that next um, uh, film 
that is going to be closer in tone to the last 35, 40 minutes of this feature than anything that preceded it. And what Matt Reeves needs to do is reel it back and go yeah. into what people like. But we'll, we'll see. We'll go, go back to making him be the greatest detective, which is what... Keep it simple. Fans, fans of the actual character enjoy. You know, it doesn't have to be a Superman-like figure. Just keep him as it is, and uh, because that's what worked best in his movie. Uh, Batman actually trying to solve riddles and, and solving uh, the case as a detective. Um, I had very low expectations to begin with, which is probably why I enjoyed it a lot, because I was expecting a shit show, um, mm-hmm. because I'm so put off by anything superhero-related lately that... I just went because I knew we would want to record an episode on it, but I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, it, it is a little bit long for my taste. Uh, at times I was like, uh, all right, well, uh, this must be ending now. And then there was like 40 more minutes to it. So that, that was the, the one thing that kind of bothered me, but I thought it was an enjoyable watch. Uh, I enjoyed the fact that the movie theater was not full when I watched it, which is the best way to watch a movie, uh, at least for me. I don't, I don't like people talking or making noise or chewing loudly. I hate that shit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, maybe that, that whole experience uh, was great for me. And I, I, just like you, I want to rewatch it because uh, I'm sure there's things that I missed, uh, especially with a movie that's this long. Uh, am I keeping my hopes up for the new one? Not really, because... How many good sequels have there been for these types of movies? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Two, may it's not even better than the uh, first that's one. So, a, no, that's a terrible yeah, no, example. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, so, uh, I feel like these movies, uh, when you give the director uh, and the writer maybe not free reign, but the freedom to make their own decisions, great. But whenever these movies become successful and you have more hands getting involved that's when things start kind of falling apart and that's my fear for the second one that because this was such a roaring success and everyone likes it that as always the suits don't understand what works and what doesn't and what the audience like and what doesn't so then the sequel ends up becoming something completely different that fails uh so i'm cautiously optimistic i guess uh but I I just don't have any trust on anything superhero related anymore. So I guess I'll be pleasantly surprised if I enjoyed the next one. And I, I'd rather keep it that way than, you know, holding any type of expectations for it. Yeah, that's that, that's exactly where I'm at with it as well. Uh, I'm a little disappointed, though, we're not getting three Batman in one year. Like we were promised originally, we we're going to get Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton as well this year. It looks like it's going to be next year. Uh, yeah. That's fine. All right. Whatever. Uh any final thoughts on on the Batman, or do you think if you got about all of it? Yeah, one thing I I saw to it was today or yesterday. One guy from I think it was Cinema Blend or one of those websites uh, said something negative about that. Oh, about the fact that uh, there wasn't enough white people in it or something like that as a passing comment, and people threw <laughs> death threats at him on Twitter. Hmm. That's pretty funny. Uh, I forgot how toxic like superhero fandom is as to how if you disagree with anything, it's immediate death. You deserve death <laughs> for not thinking that this movie is the best movie ever. 
uh, which he's not. But uh, I don't know. I just I, I thought it was it, it was funny that you know uh, if Gotham's even supposed when... to be New York, I mean, I, it looks like a pretty. If you walk around New York, it's yeah. it's it's white, but it's come on compared to fucking Montana or somewhere, you know? Right, like, right, right. Real. But uh, uh, I guess it's a, a funny reminder that uh, no matter how serious and no matter how dark and broody and, and down to earth you want to make your movie, uh, it's still for like adult children to yeah. enjoy. And that yeah. th- that's the people that fight b- with blood and tears on the internet uh, to defend it. Uh, so that, I thought that was pretty funny. The fact that, yeah, uh, we're still adult children uh enjoying this this type of of movies at the end of the day what i my favorite comment on the internet that i saw was when ben shapiro was like this isn't a good batman movie i hate this batman movie someone uh wrote underneath that with a matt reeves batman avatar for their twitter profile uh actually it was the most comic book accurate batman to date do you even read comic books do you yeah, even because... read comic? You're saying that to a 34 year old now. In any other decade of life, if you said to a 30, how old is I think Ben Shapiro is 34, 35 years old. If you said to a 35 year old man, do you eat? Do you eat 38 year old man? Do yeah. you even read comic books? You you yeah. would, you would be laughed at. People would look at you, and go loser. Look at this loser. And in this world. That guy's not the loser. Ben Shapiro's a loser. And right. Why Why are you also going to Ben Shapiro for his opinion on superhero movies? Do you think Ben Shapiro sits in his room and flip, flips through, comic, like sitting Indian yeah. style on his floor and reading comic books all day when he's not yeah, but it's only, himself? But it's only comic skate uh, comics. He reads, because... no, he reads Archie <laughs> comics to himself in his bedroom at night. What's Betty and Jewish Veronica. comic? Uh, Superman. Uh, what's the... Superman Jewish? Yeah. Oh. But he's sure. supposed to, he is. That's the I mean what was it Schuster and Spiegel? Right. No? He's a he's supposed to be Jewish. That's a Yamaka Superman next movie. I'm looking forward to that. He will feel represented in it. Ben Shapiro. What I mean, again, why are you going to Ben Shapiro on his opinion on the Batman movie? He did a bat. I did watch his Batman ranking. I'm not a Ben Shapiro fan. But I was curious, like, what is Ben Shapiro's Batman ranking? I think he had. Oh, he. What do you think he 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 had his number one? The Dark Knight Rises, because it's political. Well, it wasn't Dark Knight Rises. It's close. It was Dark Knight. I think Dark Knight Rises. It was Dark Knight Rises. Batman Begins. It was the Nolan trilogy it top three. Nolan. Very standard, plain white bread guy. Nolan trilogy. No fun. Best. No. How do you think Ben Shapiro has fun? Oh God. Oh jeez. <laughs> you know he probably makes a you know picnic on the on not even an, on like a lawn, but like he goes to the park or something. You know, very nice quiet park with his family and a blue blanket and has a good yeah. bologna and cheese sandwich. In matzah. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe maybe you can't have bologna, right? Because there might be pork yeah. in bologna. We don't yeah. know what's in bologna, do we? Probably not. Uh, you, you know, Dark Knight's fine. It's all right. I mean, I haven't watched it in a second. We got to get around to finishing those. But after after my audio got fucked for the Batman Begins show, it kind of just discouraged me from wanting to go back to 
anything Batman. I wasn't even, I was honestly, until you said, hey, want to do a Batman show? I was going to wait it out and for, for it to go to HBO Max in a month. So right. here we are. I am looking forward to Batgirl. I, I won't lie about that. I was looking forward to Batgirl more than this movie just because it's, it's got a good lineup of stars. But we'll see. Um, yeah, don't look at me that way. Look, yeah, I've been waiting. Listen, I've been waiting since 1993 for Michael Keaton to return as Batman. You understand? That's right. a long time. That's going to be 30 years I've been waiting for Michael Keaton to come back as Batman. Doesn't that scare you, though? No, because it's a movie. Because if it sucks, then fuck it. Who cares? You know, it's, it is okay. what it is. Uh, it it's probably won't be great, but it'll be something, you know? Now, right. there's always the... Look, it's kind of the Ghostbusters like, thing where... The great selling point. You know what? It will be something. She <laughs> 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 used that as a cover. Slow, a quote. <laughs> um, people love to say... They love to throw out the, the, the talking point of like, well, you'll always have those original movies to go back to. The, the, you know, the, you, you're not messing with the original movies, but you're always messing with the context of those movies. Um, Tarantino, for example, summed it up very well in his best movies of the 21st century, his 10 best movies of the 21st century. He said uh, something along the lines of, or like the past 25 years, and this was done in 2010, 2011. He said, I really love The Matrix, but when they did when they added to the mythology of the matrix with the sequels, it kind of ruined it for me. And I couldn't look at that first matrix the same way again. And I, I was like, yes, that's, that's, that's the perfect rebuttal to everybody who was griping about ghostbusters 2016 and then afterlife yeah. and all of that. It's like, yeah, you, when you, when you change the context, it does affect that, that thing that you enjoyed before. Like the first iron man movie is one that I point to because I really enjoyed iron man but now that there's 30 Iron Man styled movies, yeah, I'm never watching that again. Um, so as far as these Michael Keaton Batman films from 89 and 1992, if that gets somehow ruined by this Batgirl feature and him popping up and flashing, whatever. It is what it is. But um, I'm still looking forward to it for now. Uh, I, I haven't, you know, aside from jo Joss Whedon's Justice League, uh, there hasn't been a total strikeout on DC's end thus far, because even Birds of Prey was a fairly watchable movie and well-directed, well-choreographed. So uh, I didn't mind that feature at all. So we'll we'll see what happens. But um, again, not even like cautiously optimistic. I just have no expectations for them to impress me. And that's how I'm going into any of these, these films in this genre. Yep. And uh, it's best to stay that way. Yeah, I agree. All right, patreon.com slash lowres, surfshark.deals slash lowres, or just check out with coupon code lowres and you will get yourself 83% off Surfshark VPN. It'll be a great time for everybody. That has been Movies for this week. Thank you for listening.